0: beautiful people. Free Freethinkers Forum was one of the most popular podcasts internationally at the end of 2022. It was in the top 5% most shared globally according to Spotify statistics. We were able to reach out to 23 different countries and form a base of dedicated listeners. Please consider donating to the pod to ensure the highest quality of information and guests. And remember, you can't unthink free thought. Consider other viewpoints and love your fellow humans. Enjoy the upcoming episode with Jake Jericho and Jacob. Good afternoon, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of Kiko's Freethinkers Forum. I believe this is episode 18, and this is officially the first episode of the second season of the forum. So I wanted to mention that. I have two wonderful guests with me today. I have a person, Jacob. He's with us, goes by Marcus Mar- Marcus Saul. We're going to use that name because this is going to be a creation of a media outlet that we maybe will talk about towards the end of the interview. And we're also rejoined by Jay Carrico. As you all know, Jay has a band called Sound Bandits. And since the last time we interviewed, there have been some major developments with um, his radio program. And I think Jay is going to talk a little bit more about that, um, that circumstance. Jay also had a book that was published, I believe, in 2019, If Voices Were Fire, um, Interviews from the Agents of Change. It's really a series of interviews talking about different um, political ideologies, um, namely anarchisms and different ways to kind of uh, combat sectarianism and different um, issues that maybe result from having lots of people together to come up with strategies and stuff as far as improving the world and the quality of life that we have in front of us. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the show, y'all. And thanks for the invitation to acceptance again.
1: Thank you Thank so you. much for having us.
0: Thank you for having us. Thank you. And so I want to get this started. This is going to be a very informal type of um, interview, I think. I don't want it to be too, like, terminological over people's heads, even though we will get into the weeds some. Uh, My audience wants to learn, they want to learn more about um, philosophies um, to sort of question their worldview. And so I think that ultimately is gonna be a great thing, but we can break it down into terms to where a larger audience may be able to dissect and even develop some of their own ideologies and learn along the way. So that's what we wanna do is build a community here on the forum, so people can just be be more educated in general. I wanted to give a plug into the pod before we start. Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum at the end of 2022 was ranked in the top 5% internationally when it came to audience reach. And so we have an audience base of 23 different countries. And the goal is to get to 100 different countries by the end of 2023, which shows that the forum is really growing. People are spreading the word and the message. This is not monetized at all. I, don't, I haven't accepted any money yet. If people do want to donate, I'm open to that. Um, the links are there on the channels, but it's not really the primary objective of this channel. It's really just to, to educate people, and this is my sort of way of giving back to the community, to the public, just so we can be w- well-informed citizens and maybe we can respect each other a little bit more than we did the day before. I wanted to talk some about... Um, indigenous communities and how this relates to nature and um i guess ideas that sort of go against what the state narratives are um because when we talk about indigenous communities and nation states and the idea of governments and governing millions of people in one space to me that automatically arises conflicts of interest um i want to kind of get jacobs idea as far as like what, what he's seen in the communities he's worked with um, specifically in Oklahoma, you were telling me about before the interview.
2: Yeah, well, um, you know, in explaining Marxism, uh, it, you know, it, you, you could see it in the, indi- the indigenous communities. That's what introduced me to Marxism was how I saw the vast popular demand for the revival of indigenous languages in, in East Oklahoma. Uh, you know, across the whole community, everybody was very much about the revival of their language um, because there is a time period in the late end of the 20th century where uh, Cherokee kids weren't allowed like that schools to to speak Cherokee. You know, they would, uh, they were put in residential schools. A lot of older people out there will have memories where, you know, an elder Cherokee person who was a preacher told me that, He got every time he spoke Cherokee, he'd get hit five times a day in the residential school or if not a day, but every time he did it, he got hit five times. He said he would get hit 200, 300 times a day because he didn't speak English when he went when he began residential school. But so it's it's for this reason after, you know, these residential schools, um, there's a kind of a a gap in knowing the language because it was so pushed out by really the U.S. government. And, um, you know, but there's this big revival for the for the for the language and you know you would see elders also you know young people and elders everybody want to want for people to speak their language again and it you know it became clear to me you know i, I began learning about literacy programs and you know and throughout history and uh, you know it, it became clear to me that these people who you know they they they, they work every day right they work for and they work for corporations that don't care if they if the language is revived or not. You know, they inherited the the uh the conquest that removed uh this culture, that removed, you know, um the you know the the original national sovereignty to begin with, and then and then you know the culture and the language. So they don't really have any inclination to actually um you know uh make sure that these languages are revived with the amount of production value that they legally own because of the state because of the the US government um and it was you know but this is one example of what this is is what we you know uh, i like to what we call alienation it's called alienation and class well it's it's a class alienation but it it, it uh occurs alongside national alienation as well and uh, it's kind of the uh the whole premise of what you know uh, of what marxism is as as a correction to capitalism what socialism is as a correction to capitalism this isn't the only example where this happens you know um for example 50 percent of our farm workers in this country are undocumented according to the department of labor uh which means that as of now because of this just the policy because of the state policy that um they could be put in an ice camp in a concentration camp them and their family could be put in a concentration camp and removed but we're, who, who wants to keep building these concentration camps when 50% of our farm workers that feed everybody in this country, that feed everybody's kids in their most developmental years? I mean, even to the most selfish reasons, who would, who would want this to continue? Why is that necessary? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because it gives a, a certain political leverage over our farm workers in this country. It gives a political leverage over them to say, oh, you you want to ask for a raise? You want to collectively demand things? You want to... Okay, well, we'll just call ice and we'll put you in a, in a concentration camp. That makes you know, you could have the, the employers, the corporate agriculture in our country has that leverage against those those farm workers. And so um it's you know, and it so it, it, how they keep doing this, how they keep building these these ice camps is so many corporations who use that as leverage over their, their workforce will say, Well, we'll, you know, lobby out the Republicans or lobby out the Democrats. To build ice camps, you know, and buy more and more. And what you haven't, what we haven't heard spoken about yet since the election of Biden is that in 2021, 2.4 or 2.3 million people were placed in concentration or ice concentration camps by the time of March 2022. We haven't heard a word about that. And that's according to United We Dream, who got it from the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, but, you know, according to Washington Post, who got it from the Department of Homeland Security, that the Trump administration didn't even deport a million people that's still way too much. It's nearly a million, but everybody went silent in 2021. And 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 the reason why is, and it, it goes back to how, you know, without this agricultural production, we don't have food. Nobody's, nobody's eating food. You know, if there's nobody actually doing the work. It just, it's just, it's a political ownership that lobbies out our, our political parties. So in a sense, but who's giving them the, the monetary value to lobby out the political parties is the people actually picking the food. Is the, so mm-hmm our agricultural workers are building or in, you know, in this way, they're forced due to this policy that we live under where there's this extra ownership over production. That doesn't, that doesn't contribute to the production process itself, mm-hmm. but it's just there because of the state, because of a state policy, because that policy is still there. Our agricultural proletariat are literally building their own ice camps to be put into against their will. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that, that's what class alienation is. You know, that's the, uh, that's one of many examples of it, you know. Um, so, that's profound. This, and that's that's the, you know, and that's, you know, yeah, I found this in, you know, by the language, you know, the language struggle in Oklahoma uh, really put me, you know, I began seeing this more and more by also, you know, studying Marx and, 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 uh, but reading it, you know, and, and nobody understands that part of society that it, when you look around, whether you're in your room or in your city, everything there today took a, a, a process of, of production that made that thing be there that made it possible to be there whether they made the machines that made it or they 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 whether they made it with machines or they made the machines that made it or they made the machines that made the machines that made it or they drove the truck or they made the machines that drove the truck it took a, a finite productive process but in that process it wasn't necessary to have any extra ownership over that just because just because it was uh just because they had a, a monetary value the monetary value only measured the amount of value that came out of the productive process mm-hmm. itself. So that's what ultimately a lot of misconception, you know, and when you hear the words, communism, you hear Marxism, you hear these words and you're, you know, it's been pounded in our heads through the past 20th century. It's just bad, bad. No, those mm-hmm. words are bad, but this isn't, you know, you, you don't even have to call it these words. It's just common sense. It's common sense that, you know, that our government's not what continues our society our productive processes we don't have anything without that and so uh that's the uh that's the that's uh, uh that's because of that fact we know that the government can only answer to the productive process or at least who it gets ownership over the production process too mm-hmm. but even that case they still have to answer to who actually does the work themselves and if they don't there's going to be problems there's going to be political problems because they won't there won't be work done if if somebody is is uh because that 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 weapon is always there it's a. I i like to say it's it's an inalienable it's an it's an inalienable dictatorship that all workers have that, that that this extra ownership only has a policy and that can be countered with the policy but the productive the productive process itself throughout history since earliest humanity has ever been and as far as humanity goes will always be here it is the the one power over any no matter how what policy it is it is it has it has full power over culture it has power over policy but it has to be realized you know that's the um, you know in order for it to the, for there the, to uh i guess adjust the policy you know to 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 um you know this political this extra ownership is only political so you know it, but it it, it it in the end will ultimately fail to who actually carries the production process out themselves that's a that's kind of the um That's ultimately what we we never get to hear about Marxism. We never get to understand that. But it's it's really just common sense. We don't even have to call it Marxism, you know. So we can call it whatever.
0: Jay, I want to get your response to what Jake was talking about, but I've heard you, Jay, I listened to our interview like three times last week. I just had it playing projecting throughout the house while I was cleaning up and stuff. I'm like, yeah, you know, I can't believe that this is like stuff coming from my forum, like all these. Informative individuals, like enlighten the world. And I was listening, you kept saying um how we need to maybe change um, we were talking about perceptions of words and terminologies like Marxism and communism and socialism and anarchism. Do we necessarily need to change? The term itself, like, and, and tell people like to use something different than Marxism, or do people just need to realize that that's what Marxism is? Like, what's your response to that? As far as this, you you refer to it as Pavlovian. Um, the way we sort of approach these terminologies, we automatically get like offended by them, but it's like we don't delve into the actual meanings and the different contexts of the words themselves.
1: I think it's going to be contextual, you know, depending on what you're dealing with in the situation, right? Um, And depends on your your strategy for your local – like, depending on what you're organizing for, you know? Um, In certain situations, yeah, you want to – there's no reason not to um, talk about Marxism uh, because I feel like it's economically scientific, you know, just like uh, Newtonian physics, you know, Uh, like it's uh, – or what have you.  … Um, … that there, there's just certain – there's so much you can gain from it, something else you can glean from it, that that to cut people off from it um, just because it may be not unpopular in certain circles is really doing them a disservice. However, uh, if you're just going up to somebody randomly… And you have a have a sorry, and uh, if you're going up to just somebody who's just a random person that you might meet at a bar or something like that, it may not be a, a starter. It may be a non starter. You know what I'm saying? So uh, getting people where they're at materially, uh, as Jacob has said, you know, multiple times, uh, ideology has to be sharpened down to the individual, right? It has to be. It has to be based on their material circumstances. Anything else is kind of um, mystic, right? Mm,
0: okay. And and I tell you something, Jay. Just going to your book a little bit, because that's been a point of reference, like establishing the introduction. One common theme that I saw in these interviews is that there seems to be a a reality that Jacob talked about that the state presence is is horrifying and is everywhere. Like, Like we cannot escape the state for whatever reason. It's just, it's in every aspect of our life, whether we want it to be or not. Um, technology, um, the way we communicate with people is just always influenced by these people who are setting that moving the goalposts constantly, um, because they control all the, the 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 means, the distribution, everything. And Jacob, I love the way he introduced that into the conversation about this multi-tiered system of the people doing the work, and then you have people exploiting that work. That are basically, I don't know what they're doing. It's almost arbitrary at that point. The math and the production value, like, what is the actual production? Who's producing the stuff? Is it the companies aren't doing anything really? I mean, all the work is happening below them. They're just collecting from that work, and so we see a lot of the issues at hand. I I guess the average person can see that as exploitation, but I don't understand why it's such a problem when you start going into like naming the ideologies themselves. Is that just intimidating to people to you? And this is a question for both of y'all. Do you think the terminologies are just too broad for people to, to, to fathom and they just have to stick it within their context of everyday life or, because I do, I do have to admit when I was reading some of these interviews that, I could see where the terminologies will almost lose a lot of people, just like trying to read the book, because you would almost have to be within those communities to kind of get it, I guess.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of insular language that seems to be very, you know, uh, that you almost have to be privy to inside of an echo chamber to um, engage with in any sort of meaningful way, and and I don't think that's necessary. I think that is a good critique of the of the of the of the, the the work I was doing back then. It was for a left wing. Our audience was a left wing. Audience, you know, um, so you know, a, a anti-authoritarian, um, uh, sort of audience. To be honest, at the time, and so I think that, um, I think it was definitely positioned that way and positive that way. But I think that's a, a super, uh, just critique of left, uh, leftist activists in general is that we do oftentimes talk. On a level that's a little bit above the head of um, of people who haven't been uh, initiated into um, the culture of the left, and the left it shouldn't be a culture really. It shouldn't be that the we we should be following the people, you know what I mean. We shouldn't be dictating what the you know the organizers should be following, listening to what the people want. And then developing from there. Now, that being said, people want to hear interviews from people who who might be might be uh, who might be talking about language, you know, at the same time. So I think there is an as for it, but it's uh you know it's maybe not useful in in again in in most in a lot of circumstances to to be uh to, but at that same time uh, there's so much rich historical knowledge. And I think that propaganda has been used so so heavily against this that um that that there's nobody who's going to speak up for it that most people know. Right, Um, Mm -hmm. most people aren't going to engage with somebody who speaks up for it, so they're going to hear politics and they're going to think of Democrat and socialism, and I mean, I mean, Democrat and Republican. And they're not going to think about socialism really much because they're going to think that as something that happens somewhere else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, something that is that is a, a, a dead form of government that doesn't work anymore, that's authoritarian, that's tyrannical. That's the thoughts that go through their head I believe, but mm-hmm. when you look at the actual conditional material like situation in these places and you look at if the facts of the situations, that, you know our country is far more authoritarian, does far more damage <laughs> than any of these and spends way more money on anti-communism than they do on social programs probably and so like if you know the 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 issue is that like uh that we've we've been we've been you know propagandized continuously against these types of languages against these types of states and that like and so there needs to be somebody somewhere to you know say hey no these things actually worked very well and to counter that propaganda you know Uh, you know we you know going to
2: why these words scare people why why you know they just go oh there's there's you know it it comes back to people's consciousness. And um it's you know, and, and this is something that uh, that what people understand that what whatever somebody's ideology is, it, it's entirely dependent on what they understand. And what they understand is entirely dependent on what they've been exposed to, like what they've seen, what they've been talked to about, what they've been explained. And so, in the same way that when somebody, you know, is is um, this is another form of alienation, is that would say like like lobbyism. You sit, you know, you you sit there and you you work at a corporation. You, they take your surplus value. You they give you a wage that you were ha- like lucky to get because you, you you couldn't have any other way to live under you know under capitalism, and so they give you a um, they give you a you know they take your surplus value and what they do from there is even if they're taking say you have um, however many people will work at a corporation two hundred thousand uh, a large corporation. All of them, all that surplus value from their production is going to the the private owners. That's only there because of the, you know, that's only there because of the state. So in the same way that they take, say, that surplus value to lobby a law, that those people who actually carried out the the value of of what that monetary fund that's going to pay the lobby the the say the a representative out, the same way they have no say in what they're being and what's lobbied for them, like what's or what's lobbied over their mm-hmm. government. But in that exact same way, it's, it works the same way with the news sponsors, with the media sponsors and <laughs> yeah. culture and education and all these things. Also, they're the, the the people are the ones making the value, making the monetary value. But because simply because of the state's policy, somebody owned all of the surplus of that of that production value. They got to sponsor something that could easily that you know will eventually go against the interests of the people who who work at that place eventually they they become they they want certain things and you know and, and there's there's an interest against each other a matter of fact the employers inclined to pass laws that are against the the interest of you know the even the self-realized interest of all of the workers where they work at you know even mm-hmm. if they all collectively agreed wait we don't you know why would we sponsor this why we don't want to spend our money sponsoring that you know we, we wouldn't want to do that they don't get a say simply because the policy is that that one person who owned it already like you know who owned it? Who inherited the value of of of, con- of, of a state's conquests? You know from the past 250 years of the, say the United States, where we start out as 13 colonies, you know, and expanded more and more and got more value until there was you know that all went somewhere. Who was somebody was was uh, basically received the value of that production, you know, or that the value of that of that material, and then production began. You know, it was the um, because they didn't have that. They don't have a say in in what what is actually being said, and so you know you you could this is why that you know the people when you study Marxism, it's all it's it it explains how this extra ownership is a dead weight on our society. We don't actually need it, but it's also going to be inherently despotic because its only ownership is through the state. So it's going to keep expanding the state as if it's its own business. You know, it's not its own production. So it needs the state because that's the only thing that carries out its policy that's the only thing that physically enforces its policy so um it's you know and, and so but doing that knowing that well if we don't actually um you know camouflage what we're doing by saying that like oh marxism is where the government comes and there's this government we you know somehow getting the power to get all these people to do something they don't want to do and it takes it just owns that these mean government people own everything <laughs> and later, I'd like to explain. I'd like to explain the democratic process of uh, of central democracy as an alternative to corporate democracy. You know, uh, now it's a more democratic system because that's something that never gets explained either. But um, mm. you know, that's that's the uh, that you know they're going to obviously sponsor things to have people going around saying, oh, they want to come take your property, worker. They want to come take your house. They don't want to, you know. They don't want to make it to where we can't lobby the government out anymore. They don't want to make it to where you have a say over what your production is sponsoring into the culture, what your production is and what's being alienated out. You know, the the you know the, the people who already own everybody's production, they have no reason to sit there and explain what Marxism is and it's for. <laughs> yeah. they, they can only run run for their existence as a class. You know, they can only, they can only say, oh, well, so if people don't oppose us, you know, and it wears down our state's physical coercion. We have to we have to camouflage ourselves so they don't see it so they don't see what we're doing like you know because Marx will explain to these people what we are doing in 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 a way that they understand you know he, and so it, that's that's why you just hear yo evil and stuff that doesn't make sense the idea of there's like a one person dictator exactly not, not that it's just a defense minister you know protecting their country from imperialism you know like <laughs> you know be, they control you know whoever owns production is given. um Overall dictatorship over cultural knowing because of this, like overall cultural knowing. They, you know, because they um because you know, everybody has to answer the capital the same way that our elected representatives still have to still answer the capital, you know, to stay in their political parties, you know. Mm-hmm. I like to say like this if you're at your job and the person who pays you tells you to do something, you go, no, I, I don't believe in that. I don't think what does the person do? You know, they they replace you, they kick you out and replace you. The, our our government is the same way. Our, our because we we do live in a dictatorship of capital. You know everybody's mm-hmm. having to answer to where money is coming from in order to survive. The media works that way. The state and then so the only solution to it is is that there is no capital without production. There is no the capital is worthless. So there is a new ruler. There is a new there is a new uh, dictatorship that's coming in, and it's the dictatorship of all the people who work. You know not just the 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 people that own. Oh, yes,
0: there's so much. <laughs> so many thoughts are going in my head just hearing these um, um ideas, I tell you. Jay, I have a question. And then if you want to comment um, to Jacob or respond to anything, um, you're more than welcome to do that as well. I want to know um, what would be an immediate um, step for you in transitioning into socialism and ultimately into Marxism. Um, what would be the quickest way to that in your perspe- in your perspective, and would that even be um, possible given the infrastructure that we're currently um, dealing with right now?
1: Uh, so I think um, we're seeing it uh, in twenty uh, twenty. You know, uh, we were having largest protests in our nation's history in twenty twenty one. In 2022 we had largest union membership rises in decades and decades. Um, and in 2022 we had the highest strikes in um, in long 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 time. you know uh, strike is striking has gone up and up and um, we're seeing it right now nurses and teachers are striking at the beginning of this year. So I think that, that getting involved in, uh, you know, unions uh, is is going to be that's going to be where a lot of this is at. Getting contact with your local community, developing networks. Um, I think it's going to start with, and I think, uh, you know, Jacob's going to talk about a little bit later the Soviet democratic style of um, of, of engagement and that starts with the cadre and the local workplace and the local neighborhood, the community. You know, developing programs inside your local community um, that meet your material needs of your community in ways that the system won't. Uh, that shows that um that the system is either incapable or um, refuses to do certain things to show its weaknesses, to show how uh, much we can do together, to show that that power to get morale boosted, to have small victories over things that that um that are capable of being done with a few, uh, developing that into, uh, you know, practicing that dictatorship of the proletariat over capital, you know, pr- showing uh, how people, and 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 our work and our labor and our voices can be uh, can be a powerful tool against uh, the machine itself. And 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 in practicing that and getting better and better at it, you know, um, I don't know if it's a quick process. I think that the process has been going on for a long time. So that's that's the positive thing is that it's not like we're starting from zero. You know, um, that we we have we're following a long lineage of people since the 1800s who have been. Uh, and, and and before you know who who have been uh who been fighting this struggle uh, i don't think we're starting at ground zero i think we have a lot we've got we've got to work with what we have we need to have a organized um, party you know that's capable of developing uh programs that can meet people's uh needs in their local area that can that can then uh speak for them on a national level that can uh that can eventually seize power you know that's that's the that's the eventual eventuality you know uh to get there from here to there there's a million different roads and we have to take all of them you know <laughs> like it's, it's...
0: i i do have a response to something you just said um you mentioned and you are right about um the labor at the attitudes within labor movements and stuff now um there has been such an increase in union membership it had that has been i'm concerned though that um to me, I was I was on the Tyler King, not his pod, but Tyler King did an episode with me and he's a personal friend of mine that lives in the same city. My he's a personal friend of the family. And he was asking about all these different um political angles and and he told me, Kiko, what is it gonna take, what would it take to for there to be some kind of a revolution? And I told him it would have to start from the workers. Um which is a lot more of us i mean there's more people producing the work than anything i mean that there are way more workers than there are owners and um and if you i mean ideally we own the work i mean we should i mean if we're the ones that are producing we should own it too but um i was telling him that it would take a mass scale of strikes like the major companies but I've seen some problematic issues even within union activity. Uh, it seems like when the unions get so big, they become attached to these statist parties and statist agendas and corporations. Um, and it's like, would that just kill the other unions because a few unions get bigger than the other ones? And it's almost like a situation where the banking, you know, bubble happened. And I'm thinking like a general strike wouldn't that need to be some sort of a general strike and why hasn't that happened yet you would think with so much union activity that there will be some sort of an organized junior strike that would actually last for a while
1: i think um yeah uh yeah big box unions uh that's the and, and you have uh and a lot of times in those situations especially since the wagner act in the nineteen nineteen thirty four, 1934 um you have uh you have a situation where there is a consolidation of power and, and a certain amount of negotiation as opposed to that um, they're not they're not trying to be Marxist you know since the you know they're not trying to overthrow, they're trying to negotiate. they're trying to say uh, we are a part of the economy and we want to negotiate at this particular workplace. we're not necessarily trying to have some sort of social upheaval and that's just that's just a lot of the people in in the in the higher ups, are of that mindset. They're not they're not really tr- they're not of a revolutionary mindset, you know. They're mm-hmm. not uh, trying to be. That's just not that's and 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 uh that doesn't mean that it's not better for the worker for to have a union than not to. You know what I mean? It's just that mm-hmm. um that means that we're going to have to have people there's g- that, that, that for that to happen I mean the capitalists have always pitted different unions against each other the railway workers versus the 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 railroad uh workers mm-hmm. you know the track layer versus the uh, the uh people who were doing the conducting and stuff and so um and we kind of live in the exceptions like this kind of talk about earlier you know we and I don't mean we as in like people who are thinking about these kind of things but just in general um it's it's the exception of the good cop the exception of the good landlord, the exception of the good boss that you've seen, and capitalism does this because it puts, um, it creates so many layers between the capitalist that like runs industry, and uh, and the CEO even that runs your company, and like. So many different people in between that you can almost empathize with, and we want to empathize. You know what I mean with people and stuff like that, and think, oh, if we were given that kind of responsibility, we might have to make tough decisions too. And 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 so mm-hmm. instead of thinking, okay, what could be better than this, which is like almost like which which is infinite possibilities of what could be better, th- then we think we always it's like we we just want to like it, it seems so much harder I think that in the in the mind it seems so much harder to cut, to do the things it would take to change the thing. Than it is mm-hmm. to just deal with it, right? And like, and so the mind creates this like ability to just deal with it, you know. And, and that will happen. Humans are capable of anything, you know what I mean? Like, capable of uh, living through the worst of situations and the most horrible of circumstances. And the mind plays a big part in that, for better and worse, right? Hmm.
2: Um, I guess you see bureaucracy among a labor movement. Um. You know, it's the same thing as when you hear the U.S. government when you hear the say that they're going to a different country for a democracy that, because we have democracy here and they're going, and they're going to go fight a, They're going to go suppress the uprising in Haiti against the U S client state there as just for democracy. Cause they're gang, they're gangs and they're terrorists, you know, these other States that, that get, that are against the, that the U S government is against their uh, dict- brutal dictatorships, you know, it's, it's, it's um, mm-hmm. so you, it's interesting because within the labor movement, Usually, if there's a, a bureaucracy that overtakes the, um, you know, a, a lab, like that basically gaslights the workers when they're frustrated, um, and we see this a lot where people are getting more like union union members are getting angry at their union leaders who are just kind of placed in front of them uh, when there's a bureaucracy there when there's opportunism and it's not they're not listening to what the demands of the workers are. At this point, you know, um, I mean it's the same it's it's almost in the same sense and but oftentimes not knowing what to do about it comes from a lack of class consciousness not just among union members but among the entire people you know among the entire people to where Mm -hmm. everybody's on the same page about how much power working people actually have in real life you know the true the true freedom of their of their labor um if you don't have that then it's easy for the leadership to say no we're just going to do this okay there's you know the same way you'll see um You know, you'll they you know the the Democrat during twenty twenty the corporate Democrat sent people out in the communities to say, "Uh oh, stop saying to fund the police that loses people." Mm -hmm. You know, that Mm -hmm. that you know who loses who? Their donors, you know. But they (laughs) when when it's just top down, it's like okay, uh, everyone. That's what the the, they said. We got to you know they tried to make it about it was just about Trump and not about the clear problem we're having um, with the how our how our police are you know with how with how ridiculously massive our prison state is but the um but it's the same thing though like in, in in an example of this is i don't know if you know about this this uh it's it's basically a regime change operation that ronald reagan started calling called the national endowment of democracy mm-hmm. and, and what this does is it funds you know protests and uprising in different countries where The policies aren't like basically completely submissive to the corporations in the united states you know where they don't allow the corporations to lobby their laws out here and and basically own everything in their country like they they end up funding um these unrest and act like they're doing it like a good thing by trying to bring (laughs) corporations in their country it's interesting though because on that board you have you have um People like um, you have people like Elliot Abrams, who's a convicted war criminal from Iraq. You know, he's sitting on that board from the Iraq War, convicted war criminal. across and also stuff in South America, I believe too. But on there, you also have the vice president of the USW, a very important union. It's uh, oh, Roxanne yeah. Brown. She's also mm-hmm. on the, and so it's just interesting. It's just interesting to see, um, you know, why why is that? Is it why do they need to have a you know a leader there on board with? This foreign, you know, this like this stuff that's supposed to spread democracy to other countries, which is a complete contradiction, because a part of democracy is self determination. So for the U.S. to be saying, "Oh no, this is democracy," you know, do what we say, so it's democracy, you know, Um, that's that's obviously not democracy. But she's there too, and she's the vice president of the largest steel union in in, in the in the country, and 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 why is that? Well, you know, I think there it has something to do, you know, going back in the history during 1919 when after the world war after world war one workers across the whole world were angry about how much people how much violence went on how much fighting there was across the whole world between these imperialist powers but also something happened where there's an uprising in october in, in petrograd in russia
1: in mm-hmm.
2: St. petersburg and then the soviet union began the civil war had begun because there was an organized structure behind it you know um that eventually brought, you know, uh, that that constitutionally made it to where in their constitution that people would own their own production, and they formed a their own democratic system that is that basically eliminated lobbyism. It's an entirely reorganization of democracy that's truly more democratic. But in the United States, uh, unsuspectedly, a lot of people don't know that at that time, twelve different nations invaded Russia. After that, twelve different governments had invaded Russia. To try to suppress their civil war, to try, just to fight this uprising among the working class there. Um, the US was one of them. People don't mm-hmm. know that. The US invaded Russia during that time. And um, even though they were allies with the Tsar, the Tsar fell, you know, and then they invaded Russia. But right when, you know, in 1919, right in the smackdown in the middle of the Russian Civil War, something happened in the United States 350,000 steelworkers across the entire country all walked out, all walked out of their factories. It was a huge huge strike steel workers you know and it, mm-hmm. it pillaged as if you know it pillaged it maimed the steel supply that the u.s was going to use to uh you know suppress the bolshevik revolution it killed it because so many people said no we don't want that that and when the police would uh the police would try to they called out the national guard and they'd come and shoot them and hit them it was a fight you know it was a it was a, it was a class war it was a fight and um it was, they, they would call them Cossacks. You know, they'd say they'd say there was artists and call them Cossack, the police on the horses, you know. Mm. Um, but it was during that time, it was across Akron and San Francisco and Seattle and Minneapolis and New York and all these different places. They, they completely destroyed their steel supply. And they, so I think it's for that reason they realized, well, wait, that's how this whole, you know, global proletariat revolution happened, began in the first place is that we we weren't able to get steel there to stop it from happening. We weren't able to keep the steel supply there to keep it going. And uh and so um and so you know it, it makes sense why the leader of the USW would be on this um imperialist uh think tank that Ronald Reagan started that's actually just a part of the US government called the National Endowment of Democracy. She has to be coordinated with it because they, they kind of learned their lesson from that, that no, it, there is a dictatorship of the proletariat. There is, mm-hmm. it's inalienable. It's just there whether they like it or not.
0: Before you respond to Jacob, I was gonna say something that Jay referred to earlier. Uh, Jay mentioned the protest, uh, just this um, incredible number of them. How effective have those, have those protests been considering? Um, it seemed like the circumstance with the steel workers. Obviously, we're talking about historically a different circumstance, but what made that so much more effective than versus some of the protests and the Jay referred to that in my estimation really is almost a protest within neoliberalism circles. It's almost not even, you don't see the tangibility of it the same way, which kind of makes me question the effectiveness of it. Just like the Julian Assange situation with the political prisoners I see pockets of it, but I don't see a mass movement of people um, in unison attacking these issues like that at once. It seems like there's some sort of um there's something to lose if certain sects, you refer to sectarianism a lot in the book. It seems like there's a lot of people that are willing to almost, you know, commit to a cause but they don't want to be too um, committed to it if certain elements of it aren't um, in accordance with it because then maybe I don't want to be viewed differently and maybe I don't want to ostracize some people down the road. It seems like there's a lot of that self-preservationist attitude in the protesting going on now and not like something that's just almost a spiritual sort of a kinetic feeling that's like, no, we're not doing anything at all. Like, we're fucking sitting out this thing, and nobody can compromise it.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's, that's really a astute observation. I think that um, the circumstances by which the events – I mean there's so many things going on at that time. I mean it, you talked earlier why hasn't there been a general strike, you know what I mean? And maybe there was. Maybe, Maybe that during the pandemic there was a general strike, and they just didn't call it that. You know what I mean? Maybe it was so oh, okay. hard to tell. You know what I mean? And there was no way to tell if people were doing that out of political reason, out of just fuck it, or if they were doing it because it was an unsafe situation to work. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like a mixture of both. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe you know what I mean. Maybe people were like, "Well, this is a situation to work. I'm gonna finally exercise that thing I would have done now that I have the material capacity to do so." You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so so I would say that too. And then you, you saw these big numbers because of that situation. In a certain extent, people had the capacity to go out. Now, in that capacity, there's just more people who are vaguely aware of a situation, and you're, and it's coming from the fact that that um that uh. Mr. Floyd had a, a, a successful career in the music industry uh, beforehand with with a group of people who were able to already outreach a whole lot of people. You know what I mean? So when this incident happened, he already had street teams of people already ready to like put his, put this out. You're not saying like this particular thing, but anything that would have happened to him. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. he had he was a beloved member of the community, right? Who had some level of publicity uh, through the music industry, right? And uh, and uh, was and so. He already had promotional capability. You know what I mean? So so that that happened, and so that that isn't the exact same as, let's say, a, um, a group of people who were like spe- – now, you had that coalesce with the Black Lives Matter movement, which was already happening. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so you had these different groups coalescing, but the Black Lives Matter movement isn't a monolith in and of itself. Every chapter has autonomous beliefs. Some of them are super Marxist. Some of them are super liberal, and a few of them are even conservative-ish. You know really? what I mean? Or, or Hotep. Oh yeah, um, oh, oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, uh, so I think that, uh, so that you you have a very a variety of different, you know, different beliefs within that situation. Now, I don't think that we are going to or have to be exactly on the same line on everything. I don't, I don't think that. Right, I think that right. was, uh, you know, back in the day, I think that I had this belief that we all had to have this same ideology. This would be a self-crit of mine. If if we all just got it. That we would just we would just move on, you know. Like the, enough information alone would change the material reality, and mm. I don't think that I don't I don't believe that anymore. Um, and uh, I think that there's like real material conditions that can be achieved that will change the materiality, you know. Um, and and that those material conditions have been achieved in other places, and that's why the materiality changed. Now, to go to your point about the steel worker and the tangible results of the 2020 things, police are having a hard time finding people. You know what I mean. So that's a tangible mm, that's uh, reality. Very,
0: that's very true. You know. Um But but so, is that but is that being linked to is that being linked to like the underbelly of um the frustration of the populace, of the people? Like is that being linked or, or are people thinking this for other reasons? Or they yeah. think it's because the streets aren't safe anymore, <laughs> because the status <laughs> narrative is that all oh, the cops are just too scared of their lives, so they're not Want to be cops anymore, which is some so,
1: bullshit. So, they're certainly going to spin any of these things mm-hmm. in the direction of wherever they're going to, you know, do it. I, I believe this because people are, you know, don't want to be, you know, doing something that is real, that is, you know, relatively dangerous compared to some other jobs, you know, uh, to and, and be and feel like people hate them like that that's like that's just on a non-political level that I, I wouldn't want to you know what i mean like at this point in time you wouldn't want to work that job even if you were like oh police are necessary right like or or even if you were like you know it just it's just not a it's just like bad like you know what i mean everybody's getting, like people are, you you're, you know what i mean it's just we've, we've made it unfashionable and that's that's powerful in and of itself sure. now to, one more thing that you had said that i think um is important that like uh That 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 I wanted to that I want to touch on uh, real quick uh, was that uh, the 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 the, that Jacob had said also uh, was that you know this person's working with the NED that's at the head of course of the the unions and of course they're going to put people in various situations. This is capitulation, right? Capitulation of certain movements, certain mechanisms, certain whatever. It it, if that is that is the issue I believe of a lot of this of uh, uh, Occupy Wall Street. They didn't have clear demands. A lot of people said that. You have to make demands that the, the 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 system itself can't capitulate to. You know what I mean? Um, so if if you make a demand, uh, and then the Democrats say, "Okay, we're down with all of this," but don't say defund the police or whatever, or um, you know whatever it might be, um, then then you've kind of taken all that momentum and agitation, and and, and it just goes nowhere. So that's why spontaneous action isn't. It, we have to. It's going to happen, and it's you know, it's it's a good thing, because it shows the, the 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 power of the people. But if it doesn't, if it doesn't lead to something, if it doesn't have some sort of guiding, you know, mechanism behind it, it won't lead to the kind of tangible results that we saw in nineteen nineteen.
0: Mm, okay. Good afternoon, beautiful people. I'm keeping all my content free of charge. So there's complete transparency so everyone can get the benefit of all the information. This is a completely independent podcast, but any monetary support is greatly appreciated. Click the support this podcast link at the end of the episode description for more details. Now back to the show.
2: I also wanted to add in that, you know, yeah, I, I, I believe the police uh, recruiting is low, but so is the military recruiting. It's also low. Good. These are both things that make the state what it is, where it carries out the state's uh, policy. You know, the, the state is just an organized coercion point that carries out policy. But it's also they, they've they had a, a record low of recruits that they're down like by 25 percent in their recruiting part and then so you see fox news get up here and say it's woke it's woke. that's why because everybody's woke now and the kids are woke and they use that word and yeah. they, they that, that <laughs> used to be what the that used to be what the democrats called like the, the defund the police movement they'd say that was mm-hmm. woke you know when trump was president now the republic it got handed off to the republicans you know and they use it to say things that they know will make more people mad and like it's uh But you see the corporate, you know, and and it's the same people sponsoring them. So, you know, I say Mm -hmm. the corporate state's doing using that word against the people because they don't want people to realize things. They don't want people to wake up and see and see how exactly our society is around us and and the difference between our culture that we keep getting put in our face by these corporations or this corporate culture and what reality is and what we and who we actually are. You know, Um, that's the uh, but. They'll say that, but like as as if it's we don't have internet now, and as if we don't see what the U.S. Mili- what the U.S. military has been used for its entire existence, that it's obviously not worth joining the military. That you know, like you you could look at the Iraq War and and see everything that happened in the Iraq War. You know, nothing. There's nothing redeemable. There's no reason for us the military at this point. They, they you know they they see there's no reason for us to keep going to other countries and trying to be the adults in those countries as if you know no matter what if they want to sit there go oh but they did this and that and and, yeah they don't you know even though they don't speak a language we understand like there's no way that people here could possibly know what is actually going on there they want to say no we're the adults in their country we know better those adults can't handle it they're they're basically all like children we have to go be the adults and that's not working anymore a lot of young people see that a lot of people Know that that's not how that we don't need to be the adults in their country. That we need to be the adults here. That they could be the adults in their country, you know, and that's that's why we're on a, but or because our whole economical system in the United States has been, you know, if you start out as thirteen colonies and go to fifty states, you're going to be built around war. You're going to be built around um, non-stop military production and not like centered around the military. If anybody wants to, whether it be Elon Musk and eating lithium. So you know he he's tweets out you know he helps coups Bolivia he he funds the coup in Bolivia, you know because that's their number one export. They they're, they're going to center around this 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 imperialism this that the military U.S. state provides for them the the military itself you know um, because that's uh, that's that's what this whole economical system has been thus far you know it's it's uh, they they have nothing else but to to expand and take stuff for for cheap you know. That's all they can do at this point because they're out of room here that or they have to you know try to they're gonna you know they, they increase their despotism here as more and more of the rest of the world says no be gone with you we're tired of you coming in and doing this to everybody and doing this to our neighboring countries and you know it's um that's kind of um that's kind of where their 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 downfall is this and it's, along with the police it doesn't make sense for us to continue to be the most incarcerated country in human history. It doesn't make sense for our prison, you know, which is really the, the coercive part of society, you know, the, the if somebody breaks a policy and if it's you know they can get put in prison for it, it doesn't make sense for that to be for profit, for there to be quota and it not be well, you know, the, the justice system is is erroneous. There's there's zeldom justice for a lot of people, you know, in, in our society. Um, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for us to keep being that and everybody's just using common sense now in this and this this class that has only used that that has only you know used us as, or our prison population that for its its profitability you know wars and our military for its profit profitability they uh, this is they're like why don't you guys want to do this with this anymore and they don't get it they don't, <laughs> don't understand you know
0: I I had a comment about that that sort of relates to um, Jay's book there were two people that stood out in those interviews. There were lots of different interviews that were conducted. Um, Lauren McKendry and who was the other person? Brenton Lingle. Those two people in particular mentioned, um, they seem to be, their um, particular energy in the interviews seemed to be more geared towards, let's stop worrying so much about sectarianism and these different sex of left of leftism. And let's focus on who the hell can we get the message through to. And that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Like, I identify as a left libertarian, but I'm at a point where it's like, we really have to connect with all types of people at this point and not kind of box it in. And I think Jay, and I'm glad that Jay, um, and I do understand that that's not really a critique because that was written. um, Those interviews were done in 2015 and 2016. A lot of them were. And so that's not a critique of you. It's just more so the sentiment of the people and the political landscape. It changed a lot, you know, especially with the Bernie situation. Um, at least immediately um, on the electoral politics level, the political atmosphere changed a little bit as far as people thinking about these ideas, maybe um, in ways they hadn't thought about them before. And they kind of were reacting within the moment that, you know, we got to kind of keep it within the left and build this movement. But I'm saying, why don't we build something that's a lot broader and see who's willing to listen to us? Because I hear people, that that's absolutely crazy. I talked to someone, I'm not going to mention their name on here, but a few hours ago, I was with a gentleman, and he gets it about the militarism aspect of it. A person that's a conservative, like, he was taking in what I was saying, just with open arms like genuinely trying to get where i was coming from and he was agreeing with a lot of, of what i was saying and then it's like i I listened to like a lot of my friends still now just like very liberal people and they just keep going on and on and on and they don't see the connection between the pullout of afghanistan and how we had to find some kind of a way to keep this military bullshit war machine going on with the ukraine diversion so we just we pull out of one country, and it's like, okay, let's start some shit over with Ukraine, with the NATO alliance. And it's just like, do they not see that that's still war? Like the sanctions against all these countries, against Iran, against Cuba. Do you not see that that's still a part of the war machine? And it's like they don't even acknowledge you that you relate the two together. They're like, well, it's not quite the same. And I'm like, how's it not the same?
2: Yeah, it's so they, they they don't see that. They don't see that. Uh... the the, these corporations are 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 like these are private corporations that need war to keep going you know even though our military is like the uh our our state itself it's what the state is you know so that state is for profit that is no longer a separation between the market and the state the state is a market at that point like you know it's it's Mm -hmm. uh you know and that's the defense has to be nationalized because that's what's being done in everyone's name if if, they, if it's just a matter of who lobbies then what's supposed to be our democracy is really just getting decided in a private board somewhere you know mm-hmm. between like yeah let's see if we need to go to ukraine let's see if we and you the whole time they do have to think well what if the people here overthrow us what if they decide that they that we're they're just going to yeah. nationalize our military at least nationalize our prison system and no, it no longer be a private corporation anymore you know what if they decided to do that they have to consider that as well and it's it's their that's why they sit there and and just say oh this is bad and that's bad because they sponsor that because that's their business you know (laughs) yeah they go out and do it it puts it puts everybody here um in the line of fire for a, a profitable defense instead of a practical defense you know it puts us all here in the line of fire for what just makes them money during their time here on earth you know and yeah. it's uh, it needs to be seen as that. It needs to be seen as that's what they're, that's what they are doing when they continue to lobby our state out, you know, and they continue to touch our state and tell our state what to do. And you know, it's they are putting us all at risk like that. Um, and yeah, there's a, it's it's almost in a weird way like a cult. You know, you've heard that people say that they don't, they got that's Russian propaganda. Well, you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be able to hear the other propaganda. You you know, are you saying this isn't propaganda? The you know, our side isn't. You're supposed to hear, be able to hear both sides. And if you can't hear both sides, you're in a cult. You know, that's how you know the other side's so evil and so you know it's so evil and bad that it will manipulate your small human brain. And you have to just leave it up to our the whoever's sponsoring our media. You know, that's that's the uh, that's that's the that's like a, that's a cult mentality. It's it's a very uh, it's it, that operates like that's how cults do. Like, no, don't listen to those outside people. We do have magical powers in here. Like, you know, you just have to have faith. Do you not have faith? Are you? Are you with the evil people? Are you with Satan? You know, like, you know, you're supposed to be able to hear both sides and that's being diplomatic. That's how you, you reach a conclusion. But then we may not go to war and we may not, you know, we <laughs> may we don't want to do that. That loses money for for certain very few people in this country.
0: This stuff seems so, I hate to use this word, but a lot of the stuff we're saying seems like it's so common sense. Like, if people really just almost reset themselves and just say, okay, what has been my trajectory point A to point B? What is what is Jacob saying? What is Jason is not making sense. Like, I, I just don't know what doesn't make sense. Like, we had the facts there. We're stating the information. And, and they still, it's like the same people will like nod their head. And then it's like they do some shit that's just like completely opposite. It just goes against everything we talked about, you know, it's just, it, they've done such a good job of branding everything. Everything is branded now. Um, and I think that I think that's what's been so effective with these tools that they have is, um, like you said, not only are they sponsored by the same people who are causing the wars, but they have this, um, everyone has to be attached to this branding. And it's like, this brand is the best brand. The New York Times is the best brand. The Washington Post is the best brand. Like people are still giving legitimacy to these um these sources, but when you read them, it's like it's a, it's an opinion piece. Like, how is that opinion any different than what we're doing now? Like, how does that measure against anything that we're giving to people right now? And I guess it's yeah. just more of a general comment.
1: I mean like yeah, and a lot of these pieces uh, if you go back, you know, just if, if you go look at their sources and stuff like that, it's defense contractors that are like funding like what they're saying and stuff and like and 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 positioning it as news, you know. And uh yeah, it's 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 important for the shows like this and uh and and things to be able to uh you know say what's actually happening, to be able to talk to people uh on the ground and and be able to, you know you know, I would almost say. For people not to pay attention to the news media, but at the same time, you want to pay attention to see how they're saying things because they're saying what they're going to do next. In a lot of ways, you know, they're positioning you, for, they're they're grooming you to accept the eventuality that they're that they're trying to uh, pass on. You know what I mean? And they they frame it as a conversation or a debate or whatever between two sides, you know, two opposing sides. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we know that this is this is that is is pro wrestling. It's 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 verbal pro wrestling. And that's all it is. That's why you never see in the course of a debate. Oh, that was a, that was a good idea, like because that would be. I mean, not in, in pro wrestling. Sometimes you'll see somebody be like, "Oh, wow, good move. I'm impressed that you were able to pull that off." You know what I mean? In, <laughs> in the course of their, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't even see that. It, it, it's faker than pro wrestling, and so <laughs> like it, it's it's uh it's it's less realistic, you know. And so um, I think that the media. Is, in general, is 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 it, gets, it teaches people also how to respond to each other in a way that's not cool. Like it's so interesting. You brought up Bert Lingle, right? Uh, and he, I would, I think you, I'll, I'll, I'll try to hook you all up, and because he's he's a good person to interview. Um, he he does debates a lot. He um uh, he and he, but he has a friend network that's so vast, right? Like he'll let anybody on his wall. He doesn't block people basically, right? And uh, he's a zen he's a zen Buddhist, and he like. He uh so he has a very specific way of engaging with things, right? He we've known each other since Occupy. And uh and so he uh he was friends with uh, he's he's friends with people who are um Marxists, he's friends with people who are like liberal, but like liberal in like a very right, far right-ish way, like Tim Pool, for <laughs> instance, you know. Um like so, so like he's uh so so he he does he he puts his he puts it you know he talk he tries to influence in various different circles he he realizes the power of influence I think he's a he's a uh, he's an intelligent individual for sure
0: yeah I um I kind of wanted to go into an arena that I'm not as familiar with and that's the environment that's an area that admittedly I need to work do a better job of um i've I've started to develop more of an appreciation to the environment. Um, and that's been relatively recent. And I'll tell you why, and I'll give you guys um uh, kind of the the mic as far as like going forward and sort of examining those reasonings. Um a lot of this goes back to positionality and it also goes into one of the things I noticed too, just like with the interviews in the book and also, um, my perceptions too like it's not necessarily being a part of these anarchist communities or being in some of these groups but I'm, I'm just a professor that was a student for a long time that's followed a lot of different movements over the years and I'll talk to pretty much anybody but I've never really committed to any particular group or groups I've always been like that I've always kind of kept that to myself and just I believe the information is really powerful, but I don't want to necessarily commit to groups and organizations. A lot of people in my position, I grew up in a very like I grew up in a two-parent household. Um I had I've had a great life. Um I've middle class um, now, but I've had a great life, but I also have that traumatic experience of being a black person in the United States. And I think there's so much other stuff that goes on with like the average black person. I don't want to speak for everybody. It's like, we almost don't get to stuff like the environment that it's like, this should be an immediate number one concern for anybody. But we almost have to get through like our own shit first before we can even get to these turn the pages. And I noticed that a lot too, during the interviews where people were pinpointing down deep ecology and there were, these terms i never heard of before. Like, I admit, like, I thought I knew a lot about stuff. And I'm like, I've never heard of that term ever in my life. And I'm 40 years old. And it's like, is that just a disconnect from my own just personal experiences with the world and just not connecting with nature the same way because of all this other stuff? I noticed that there seems to be a lot of disconnect with Black people, especially um, with their immediate concerns versus some of the other people and their immediate concerns.
1: I, I think with uh, with some of that stuff, it's very niche and uh, like Zerzen, uh and like deep ecology. And I was so to be so just to be frank, I was I was I was going through a my period of uh, you know gro- growth came um, essentially environmentalism came before my real understanding of uh, political uh, stuff. I was still trying to wrap my mind around it in my early twenties and stuff like that. I was I was involved with uh, DGR. And, uh mm-hmm. and some of those those some of those groups and uh th- there's just a, I think to be quite honest a lot of that stuff comes from a very white privileged place um just to be sh- f- straight up you know you see you see a lot of um people not to say it's always that but it's like a certain kind of like sh- almost like its so, live
0: experiences is
1: no, I think it, I, I think that I mean I don't want I don't want to critique a whole group of people too much right now in terms of like uh, the entire deep ecology environmentalist movement but it is predominantly white and i think there's a reason for that and mm-hmm. i think that i think that there's a, i think that it is that um it promotes a certain kind of uh adventurism almost this kind of um mm-hmm. this thing that that is that is uh about ideal versus material that working class people in general and people who have um like you said i think you've nailed it uh, they have like a lot of other issues that they're dealing with um th- this kind of stuff seems almost like you okay like i felt like this the the eventuality that, that that people see under the situations that they're calling for is that white supremacy would take over the power vacuum and so mm-hmm. so they feel like that's not good that, that that hasn't been taken into account in a lot of these uh uh, by a lot of these folks, I feel like it's a major criticism that could be put, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: I got you. I see what you're saying. Jacob, I want to hear you too, Jacob, because you work with indigenous communities and I'm wondering about your experiences too. Do you see a lot of this, um, these cultural disconnects, um, even if you do live in a community with people, you still have those, um, perceptions whether the way you grew up or just
2: whatever it may be the the environmental question it's kind of the uh there is this this near this thing that's like uh you you know that's that that marxism is against that uh, you can read all the way to marx himself and he's all the way like he's against it you know back then it's called malthusianism and it's okay. this it's this, it's this pro- it, it was a big propaganda that was used for uh the british empire and their expansion was that there's too many people there's a population surplus you know and not that things are only getting made because it gives some few people more power you know like rather than maintaining a community of people like it's like production is supposed to be it uh it's uh it's that oh there's too many people and look they're destroying the the world they're destroying the this was going on in the 1800s all the way back then and you see that oftentimes where they're just like what do we do and i was watching this uh I was watching this video last night. Actually, it was of uh, it was of Coco the Gorilla, and they had Coco the Gorilla sign language. I don't know if you've seen that no, sign language sign language songs. But I was listening to the song, and the song's called "Man Man Stupid." Like it's it's about uh, people being stu- like like man, like humanity being stupid, and like being it's because people. And so they keep showing like all this. Uh, they keep showing all these like you know people drilling for oil in the in the ocean and like trees getting cut down and all this stuff i'm like yeah well who's having people do that like who's who's actually who does that out of their like financial interests like who's who's having people do that it's it's you know these are all corporations that are knocking all this stuff down here and destroying things but it's all of us it's all people that's all that people are the problem and, and yeah if that continues under capitalism under the way we have it now it's going to keep going the way capitalism has always been which is to mm-hmm. find a marginalized group of or the marginalized cultures marginalized group of people. And, to, and, and they're going to be the first to the the to be cut out and say, oh, you got to have less people, you know, less people. That could obviously only serve some very wealthy, rich-minded people who are actually the ones deciding what we're doing, you know, at, at this stage. It's uh, at this state, but it's, um, you know, th- and that's the big kind of the struggle with the environmental. is like, no, we, we need to ha- not have such irresponsible um, despotism over the way we do production, over the way we actually are, it's obviously the number one um, contributing entity to the ozone layer, or to the removal is the U.S. bomb cycle itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. So for the bomb, but then you see people who own like all these bomb companies, all these bomb corporations, and and military, you know, corporations. You know, they'll sit there and sponsor stuff, but we need to do this. Everyone needs, you know, we, uh, you know, they're sponsoring, like we all need to do our part. And it's like telling people to, to kind of make up for what they do, you know, make up for their removal, <laughs> for their removal of the ozone. You know, the within the U.S.'s water naval area, there's like a there's a big pile of trash that's like this, like apparently the size of Texas, you know. And, and you can turn plastics into petroleum. That's what plastics are made of is petroleum. I'm like, why mm-hmm. won't the U.S., if they need oil, even if they're invading all these countries for oil, why don't they go there? Why don't they go there and, and get, get all that oil, you know, like, and go grab all that? It's like, why do they... It's like, no, they, they're, they you know, it's it's actually that they, they need combat because that's what's for profit, right? Like, they, they could go get that. and But yet they're sitting there telling us, like, no, don't have, uh, you know, making us do all the extra stuff. You got to bicycle more. You got to do... And not that people shouldn't do that. I, I com- you know, I, I think that's great for people. And people who do that have a good heart. They actually are wanting to do things for everybody. So it's not that's not the problem. It's the problem when you see corporations telling everybody that that they're the problem. That's all the people, the people themselves are the problem. And mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, like uh, the amount of environmental damage like we, you know, we just now started hearing on the news about uh, Jackson, Mississippi, for example, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, what was going on with Flint, um, you know, in the Navajo reservation, there's like a third of people there have access to water. And it's like, you know, it, there's all sorts of these situations across where things get polluted in a certain area and nobody hears about it. You know, and it's just kind of an abstract. We need to do better for the environment. And da, 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 da. But they can't see where things are like where people's and like or whose environment is particularly being targeted, you know, whose environment is actually um whose communities are being weak weakened because of, because of this, you know, how it's like a, how it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weapon, you know?
0: I'm glad, I'm glad that you all are talking about this and I'm getting more insight into it because I didn't want it to be like one of those situations where I'm approaching, because I like to approach things and not judge them. But my gut inside was telling me, that just seems to be some sort of just a cultural like there's some almost an insensitivity in a way, um with 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 sad peoples that I was talking about before, um not one person in particular, but just these types of um mindsets about the environment. I think about the sunrise movement when it was at its peak. and I'm saying to myself, how does that make any sense? These same people are like that are supposed to like for the environment And it's like did tell me, like, let's support these people over here. And like, the people who are like polluting the earth, you want me to support those people? And that's what your movement's about? Like, that's so weird to me. And that's when I started to take that stuff less seriously. But I know that there has to be some people who have their minds in the right direction. Like you said, the plastic to petroleum, you would think that that would be a very scientific, smart thing to do. Is it that? the petroleum in Saudi Arabia has a higher stock price to it or something. And so they don't want to compete with that and they don't want to actually produce petroleum for themselves. And it's about money at the end of the day. It's still about money, just a different type of money. I don't know. Um, that, That comment that you made, made me think a lot, you know, just, it seems like that stuff could be pretty solved, um, um, That crisis in itself, like the plastics, um, you always hear about the recycling and everything else. I, I, I think that there will be pretty easy solutions to that. But obviously, the people who have anything to do with it they don't have any interest in making something good out of it. So,
1: so, I think there's a lot of, like, you know, in the same way that there are, there's a lot of greenwashing, right? There's a lot of corporations yeah, that come yeah. in and they, they know, so, so they see that there's going to be a social movement, right? And so they, they make their own version of that thing. That prevents that provides a solution that is better than what they're doing potentially, but still allows, allows them to profit off of it, right? And mm-hmm. they 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 fund these things in the same way that sometimes, like with Amazon, for instance, here in uh, here in uh, Tennessee, they had a right wing union literally come in to counter the regular union just to just mm-hmm. to you know so just to break it like and, and create. Uh, so there'll be no union eventually, you know. What I mean, that was our whole goal was the union bust, essentially. But they they presented, uh, you know, so they presented themselves as a union, you know, and um, and so you have a lot of these corporate entities that will come in, to, and and essentially, you know, uh, greenwash situations. Now, on top of that, I think earlier I was talking about how a lot of these folks in the environmental movement haven't uh, thought things through uh, in terms of. I think that there's a certain amount of and and Jacob talked to this a little bit, I think. Um, that, you know, Lyndon said we don't need to, you know, just go around destroying stuff. We need to re-seize it. You know what I mean? And for, for white folks who have had the power in the United States for a long time, I think that there's a certain and I think that this is this is a self-critique of myself. We see our government as all governments like this, right? That that our colonized state, this way of life, is the way of life that would be, you know. Uh, Under different circumstances, right? That that There's some sort of normalness to it, right? Mm. And so in lieu of land back, in lieu of developing uh, reparations, in lieu of developing seizure of the means of production by the working class, uh, they say just destroy it. And that has a certain amount of entitlement to it, right? Like, uh, you know, for people who have been working for a long, long time to have representation within a thing, and you're saying, okay, we're just going to destroy the whole thing instead. I think that hits people a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of these these deeper ecologists and environmentalist in anti sif people are. You know what I mean? They're saying like, let's destroy the whole thing. And I think that puts people who are already oppressed and already weak under this state uh, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, you know um, representation and power. You know what I mean? In terms of uh, being oppressed. You know, um, that that puts them in an even uh, a more chaotic state where they don't necessarily where people you know might be. Uh, again like the white power might seize a power vacuum and really hurt people in a way that they wouldn't be able to uh under even under even the current liberal state you know that is
0: absolutely crazy but 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 it's it's always i saw that a very consistent sentiment in the interviews that who's to say that the say even if we tear down the system that we got now that we just don't rebuild another one another plutocracy or something yeah. i mean there's nothing to really if you go in with that sort of a mind i mean it's very possible
1: yeah and then people are going to use that against you. Like look at these leftists who just like blew up a dam or a power grid or whatever. It just doesn't seem mm-hmm. like – it seems like a last-case scenario in a very desperate moment sort of kind of situation versus a this should be our ideology. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like if, if nothing else works and then like saltwater fish are about to go extinct, I can see that being like, well, you got to do something. You know what I mean? Like, blow <laughs> well, the Death Star. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. like… It's like you know, but that's not exactly. It's not like that in real life. You know, there's so much more nuance, and there's so much more things we can't actually accomplish. And the fact that these folks are oftentimes very anti-communist. I wouldn't say they're anti-communist in the sense of like they're pro-communist, but it's not actually existing communist countries as long as they lost. They're against the
2: post-colonial world. That's that's what (laughs) the the, the, uh, well, and you know, an example of like what i want to you know it's, where it's kind of racist this like where environmental like narratives get turned into racism is is what you can like what you'll see for example with china you know china oh yeah you know, r- repeatedly makes a good example of 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 kind of the western racist view of of every sort of issue like it's it's uh but you'll hear them say oh china leads the world's in emissions they out of all countries they lead the world in emissions. they go oh there must it must be because they just can't control what they're doing out there and because you know and they don't got a grip on things like they can't control what the <laughs> yeah. government does. And so they, everything that bad happens is China. Like, you know, Oh yeah. so that, that's what the media is now, you know, but the whole, um, but you look at it, the thing though, what, what people forget is that China makes up a fifth of the world's population. It's a whole fifth of it. So, but when you look at their carbon emissions, it is not a fifth of the world's population, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like they're like, and it, it tends to be that they're, they're, you know, like you asked, well, well, why Why would people in China do this and do that? It's like, you know, why would they, uh, why are they being, how are they being aggressive? Like, oh, they're trading with these new countries and are leading economic development. Well, yeah, because China has like a fifth of the world's population. Of course, they're going to have a lot of production. Of course, they're going to have a lot of people and trade with people in development. They don't have a single drone strike today. Like they don't have any drone strike on another country. They don't actually coerce people they just there's a mutual agreement there and then you like we've never seen china actually coerce people into their policies like the u.s and they you know in syria and iraq and somalia and libya and you just go on and on and on vietnam and you know the whole uh but there it's like their whole solution is like oh no well china's big that's that's what china's bad is because they have a lot of people that's where they get all their power from is a lot of well what's what's the what's your solution there and they don't want to say because they don't have a solution to that it's as if no, China needs less people. There needs to be less people in China. Like that's mm-hmm. that's like that's kind of their whole. Solution They're planting that seed in your head already. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's my and it's it's a remnant of the the British Empire that was that would push this narrative even in the 1800s that that are, the problem is that there's too many people. There's too many people out here. And so if there's things like wars, oh, well, that's cool. Like colonialism, if it, they did this and that and it kills people off, well, that means more for the rest. Of, it's the, It's a disgusting I- ideology. You know. That means we get to exist here and live in a less polluted environment. Like and you even saw this with the sanctions with Russia, like completely like, like, you know, not understanding how much that would do to all the, the rest of the world, the entire oh like, yeah. I was going to get to
0: that.
2: How much that split would tear people apart from you know whether it be from Venezuela to which I mean the US put so many sanctions on Venezuela and Cuba and, but even, you know, countries in Africa, countries mm-hmm. in Asia, you know, so the Ukrainian state has had no, but not been able to find any support from African leaders, you know, and they won't, or Asian leaders.
0: Russia's never invaded, and that's the thing, too. A lot of the people, we're in such a Western bubble as it is. I mean, you're basically talking about the G10 nations or whatever you want to call them. You have these, uh, it all goes back to geopolitics, you know, all they just. They're global gangs and you have the UK, you have the United States, Western Europe, and then you have a handful of cherry pit countries because we basically, we, we nuclearized Japan. And so we got Japan to unwillingly be a part of this alliance. And who's to say that the landscape, if shit really hit the fan, if Japan would actually side with this alliance anyway, considering that Russia, China, india you have all these major um, countries that have a lot to say about the world and say we don't ever get that aspect. I mean, Africa, we never talk about Africa. And people in Africa that I talk to say that, well, fuck it, Russia's never bombed us. I mean, yeah. and the Russian sanctions are actually hurting us because of our wheat production and stuff. That's killing us. That's making that shit go up here. And... And Europe is not necessarily going to be a good thing for Europe. I mean, long term, if this shit continues, oh, this is going to be good for Europe. I mean, it's just going to be a sabotage for Europe. And then they're going to wonder, why did I sign off on this in the first place?
2: You know, is this hurting
0: Russia or is it hurting us?
2: Yeah, and that was what they sold it as when it happened was, oh, well, this will, uh you know, it puts the sanctions on all of Russia's uh carbon emission, all of Russia's carbon, mm-hmm. you know, uh, fossil fuel in- industry like it will help the environment it's like again like who started this war in the first place who's not (laughs) like who's who's not trying to who's not trying to develop anything to replace our carbon emissions you know we we don't have uh we we constantly have to we don't have any public transportation that can get everybody at once it's got to be that's not an option it has to be you need a car you got to buy a new car because the old cars are designed in a way where you can't keep using them there's going to be you know it's a whole um it's that's that's you know it's never on it's never on our corporations it's always away from them it's like our corporations are inevitable you know the rest of the world has to pay for everything else and our corporations just get get to keep you know um doing what they're doing yeah it it was that was a whole was no consideration for what that would do you know to to the rest of the world but they sold it as it was an environmental thing sanctions you know like that's so happy and like you know (laughs) you know economical sanctions like it's that's how they like sold it in 2022. I'm going to plug yeah. this book in, and
0: we're going to definitely continue the conversation. I probably have about a half hour or so longer to go, um, for some more dynamic conversation. But I want to plug this book in. It's called Flashpoint in Ukraine: How the U.S. Drive for Hege- Hegemony Risk World War Three. This was published in 2014. It's 25 essays. Um, I think it would um, please the audience to get a different perspective on this whole situation with Ukraine and Russia. And I think it would definitely, if you look at the reviews, it's crazy how people look at things when they were written. Like the time means a lot like when things were published. And so 2014, this was published. And just the whole mindset, you should see the mainstream media narratives around Ukraine in 2014. They were villainizing the hell out of Ukraine in 2014. Like all of the the major legacy media outlets were all talking shit about Ukraine. And now that they've leveraged Ukraine to mean something else, this book has an even deeper meaning to it from 2014. Um, But I definitely think it's important um, to kind of go into what you all have been saying the whole time that these state of narratives are very um, versatile in the sense that they do change with the times when they have to, and then they keep driving in the same political points over and over again when they have to as well. So they're definitely listening to somebody. They're getting information from somebody in order to counter what other people are saying against them. So they're not as dumb as they may seem. They're definitely selling a lot of shit to people. And so... um, is mindful that we also, um, as Jay was saying, just don't even follow that stuff at all. Get back to reading books because there's so much stuff out there to, to to support what we've been saying the whole time about these um these narratives that they want to sell people um all the time. It's just a matter of um, you know, breaking away from those chains of um complacency is what I call them.
2: And, you know, 2022 was, was, it was, it was scary at the beginning of 2022 when you knew what was going on in Ukraine and you saw the amount of how the Ukraine flag was like everywhere. It it had never done that before. (laughs) It was, it was as if the the defense contractors that sponsored all that were like, it it showed where all they were. It showed where all they, like where their money was, how how it could reach here and there and get people to say this and that to the point to where it was like, in the grammys where it was at the nfl draft where the congress all had you know you got to see everywhere with that blue and yellow flag where they had their their hand in right where they could where they where somebody had to possess someone's spirit you know in a sense like it was a, uh, and it but more and more people are going to realize you know as they do read more and they do learn more there's going to be more and more uncovered especially with the internet and the informational era. You know, they always say, oh, you do your research online. Well, it's like, yeah, you're supposed to research things online and have understand all sides of things, you know, to draw a conclusion from it. Um, That's that that was it was weird how um, that was always kind of like looked down on. Like if you if you didn't, if you I mean, you know, and yeah, there's there's people who believe silly things that are dumb and they, they end up paying for it. Usually, like, you know, like you end up doing something that, you know, wastes their life or something, you know. When you're looking for the tr- when you're looking for all sides of things and you're studying on all sides of things, there's gonna be obvious conclusions. You know, you're, you're gonna you're gonna say, wow, our, our government or our our media was really lying about this." Everybody got to see how dishonest our media was during this time, and um, it was it was kind of like they don't people don't realize where things come from. They don't realize how it got here in front of their face. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so, well, you see people who were like having Black Lives Matter signs in 2020 also have you know the ukraine flag in 2022 and in in their mind it's like that's that's they're they're the it's both here it's just some some mutual human spirit brought it here you know and it's Mm -hmm. uh but they don't realize that it was it was put here by two different things that one yeah maybe even corporations had to put black lives matter on their stuff because people were tired they were exhausted you know that was the largest demonstration in u.s history never before had people in the united states been more united over an issue it was uh to the point to where there was massive, you know, 350,000 people at one time in Philadelphia. You had those demonstrations all across these small little communities out in the country, you know, that never seen anything political before ever. Um, So they thought like, well, you know, that was all, that was like the current thing. They just saw it as the current thing. They, they weren't sure how it got there. And then they, they, you see them, These you kind of see these corporations try to forage on it and try to be like, oh, see, it's the more, like they, their slogan was Ukraine matters. You know, that was their big slogan before oh, 2022. Wow. There's a lot of things like that where, you know, this matters. That matters. They started saying, you know, uh, what's his name? Blinken gets up on there and goes, American leadership matters. You know, like he said that in the turn of 2022. A lot of yeah. things really started saying matters. Nobody really kind of caught him. They were just like, we're, we're going to go along with and use this leverage of like mm-hmm. uh, people who only see this as like a, um, who thinks that, like, who aren't really thinking about what they see and where it comes from, particularly, how it got where it is. With the, in the case of the BLM movement, it was that across the entire country, you had a similar incident everywhere, and it had been suppressed to just the local unrest, you know. But when something happened, you know, like we were, like Jay was talking about earlier, uh, George Floyd was particularly known, you know. He, he had gone to different, done music. He was with Screwed Up Click. We got, like, original Screwed Up Click CDs, that were uh here you know my friend does that they used to get out car shows it's a real organic following network mm-hmm. that they have. so all those people said oh it's big look at big floyd like this is big floyd you know he's getting like they show the video right and you know they have all these these memories of them seeing them in the show and showing stuff that pulled on heartstrings and that made mm-hmm. people mad they're like you know it hit those strings more and more people were so they couldn't stop it you know they couldn't stop the amount of people who were sharing it they immediately just embraced it they're like well we have to do something like even conservatives were talking about defunding the police, like, you know, like even uh, as being a thing. But once they could grab leverage again, it was that like the conservatives really opposed it really hard. And the Democrats were like, come on, we, we just can't keep up, you know, like, let's mm-hmm. hurry. let's let's just try to get Trump out. And that's good enough, you know. And that's that's kind of it was the I'm sorry. Yeah, it was the back and forth, you know, it was a back and forth between the people and the corporations <laughs> at, at the end of the day, it's what it continues to be. That's how we get this. But, you know, and, you know, by 2022, you see a lot of these same people be like, oh, well, a lot of the, the corporate, a lot of the corporate sponsor stuff that said Black Lives Matter, they're now putting this flag in front of me. So this must be something important. And you mm-hmm. know, R- Russia and Trump, right? So Trump, because the world's based around our politics here in the U.S., you know, it's kind of uh they don't. I don't know. It's a matter of explaining where things come from to people, you know, where it actually their origins and their differences in that way.
1: And that's really hard sometimes. I mean, I remember when I was working with the um, with the uh, Bradley County Incarcerated Resolutions Group. There was somebody in our group who uh, who started post, who started sharing stuff, you know, that seems very innocuous and good, like save the children or whatever. But you find out like what that organization is actually about, and like. You know, then you go, oh, okay, that's like, and so they'll just see that they see any good cause, and they're like, I want to jump on that. And the, you know, the corporations know this, and then they create things in the language of the people, you know, Um, and 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 then they, uh, you know, continually weaken people to the point where they're not able to express their true voice, and then they bring a voice in for them, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And they say this is this is what they're saying, even though that's not at all what was being said, you know. Jay, I had a question about there seems to be
0: an attitude going back to this idea of revolution again. Is it something that's just idealistic or is this something that are we just one event away from there's just been this drastic shift of consciousness to something that they never envisioned before? And th- that's what I thought about initially with the Floyd protests and stuff. Unfortunately, what I saw with those situations was I thought there was an end game to it. And and of course they used that as an end game for their own agenda. Um, the deep state did. And and I figured that's what it was all about anyway. It had nothing to do with the funding the police. They didn't want it to fund the police they use that as a moment they use the people's like true emotions against them and then it's like we're back to like the bullshit the status quo like it always was um how do we shift these kind of people we're trying to reach like that we're surrounded with all the time how do we get a lot of people at once to like gravitate to what we're trying to tell them about um when we we're telling them about these different philosophies and and how the state is just constantly exploiting the workers. And like, how do we get them to relate that to like, you re- You guys are perpetuating that in your electoral process. Um, there's no separating your benevolence from that. You are contributing to that even more, like the state's agenda. How do we te- get through to them?
1: I think that's a multi-pronged process. I think that uh, first of all, um, you know uh, there's there's a lot of tactics that one could use. You could do um info campaigns where you you know put out things that directly hit people's minds and, and they can't unthink you know and just put them out where you think working class people might be. You can do media. you know you can you can well reach out through um, get with people and make contact with them, you know all, all over the place. You can do free stores. You know you can do you can do tactics like mutual aid. To help bring people into a local area, you know, networking with people that, um, in already existing groups that you feel like in your area have any sort of um political uh engagement, going to your city council, all these you know, these things. But then, of course, the in the in the end, we're gonna have to unify that in a certain way where we're developing a network of, of people who are um able to uh to go into their local area and uh and and, and cultivate. Um, uh, things that, uh, cadres and stuff that can develop a regional, that can develop a national uh, body that can that can have con- uh, contact with unions, that can have contact with all these things. That would be the uh, the uh, the eventual thing I think would be to organize, you know, organize as well as they are, um, and and to and to and to set about demands that can't be capitulated, and to set set about instead of asking them to do it for us, doing it ourselves, but doing it in such a way that's not just spontaneous and that it can't be capitulated because it has a forward momentum. But, uh, and so I think that, um, that, that there isn't that organ yet. You know what I mean? There's, there's many different, but the, I think that, it's that the, 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 the focus on developing that organ, uh, that could do that, um, is, is, is a, is a big part of, um, I think what we need to be working on right now is to, to develop some sort of organ that can, uh, local level find what the will of the people is um take those victories and and then and then take them regionally as much as we can and then take them nationally as much as we can and build up from there along with building worker power and building towards that general strike. Um, And and that's gonna take you know um all sorts of things but um you know getting into the public conscious being where the people are at wherever it's like if it's Facebook comments, if it's uh if it's if it's on major news networks where you can uh say something that just you know hits if you can hit the right way where it's like it doesn't it doesn't appear it you know on those situations i would almost want to not appear ideological appear as um less loaded with words you know that that might be pavlovian you know um in nature mm-hmm. and, and and uh and and put them or not nature but in <laughs> orchestration uh <laughs> but the uh the, the and um that the, and then and then develop uh and put something that that that, can, that, that hits the idea of that we have a natural dictation over production. You know, we ha- we. If we say no, that's it. You know, if we say yes, that's it. I mean, the only way that they've been able to coerce us is by controlling the the violence of the state. You know what I mean? I'm going to ask Jacob. How do we avoid
0: a situation where when we get too close to those um to the broker class? Because obviously, if we're going to be connecting to so many people. We're also going to be connecting in a way with the broker class, and so how do we keep those interests intact without some sort of a monetary compromise from the outside getting into this built this coalition building?
2: You know, to, to explain the way that I think that what we need in this in this in is for people to understand an alternative, an alternative to what we have now. We have a a uh, we have a corporate democratic system. In that, you know, who the corporation, which is what, you know, somebody's gonna own a, a chain of different productions, it's gonna accumulate more and more. Uh the, you know, somebody's gonna win the the market, right? Like they're gonna and it's going to go towards one um a small group of owners. And they basically decide after you know, we get to show up every two years, four years, vote on somebody, you know, that their parties pick out, that corporate parties pick out. Who are always answering to, you know, they're funded by the corporations that are, they're going to have to, you know, they, they pick out, we pick out between those two people and then they get to go have lobby meetings and they get to, you know, they, the, the corporations pay their, you know, pay everything that's, that they're doing. Right. Like, um and they have to keep answering to that if they, you know, or, you know, their party will turn against them or something, you know, there's, and you know, and I was listening to your last guest uh talking about how hard it is for a third party to run and that, they pass all these extra silly laws about like uh, you have to like I think in Missouri, Missouri you have to ask somebody who's already elected if the sign off if you can run and so they no third parties get to run in Missouri because it's you have to ask a Republican or a Democrat because that's what the corporations wanted you know um, and it was uh, that's how they they they're able to maintain that and it's um, th- this is this is the alternative that's been throughout history and one is like yeah you know ultimately that extra ownership has to not be there because it's only going to have an interest and in keep doing what it's doing it has mm-hmm. to it's only going to g- gain more and more political is since it's only a political ownership it's only there by policy it's only going to try to gain more and more political power through a means of a state through means of coercion and to enforce its policy um but this is the alternative is that it, you know what in, what we call centralized democracy An alternative an alternative is um there's a new level of democracy which is the local council right it's the count, not just the local it's the not like a city council right not like a city hall but even um say if there you got a hospital of people you know we saw the we saw so much commotion during covid about this and that and all stuff that that nurses all collect they all know you know they all actually understand they went to go get you know in like um uh, you know college degrees to be a nurse but there's a bunch of confusion back and forth that they didn't get to resolve because no matter what it was whoever owned the hospital decided it was whoever mm-hmm. you know that one person got to decide this and that um but you know and and so they go oh no they're like no they're not the the experts they just they have the money they have the that's how they they have the money to be able to do that uh the you know you have a, a larger group of consciousness among everybody in a hospital but if they were able to have a elected elect a council right that could then um, they elect a, a delegate from their council. They they give all their their um, they have their concerns represented to the next level, which is like a local level, a local council. Um, from there, the local council, among say not just the hospital but factories, maybe um, you know agricultural co-ops, different you know however somebody wants to form a council, um, they elect delegates too. That delegate goes to a local council, who then goes to a state level. Who, that, that that local council elects to a state, a delegate to a state level, and there's a, a state level council, right, who then elects uh, somebody to the uh, National Assembly, which is across the entire country. And the National Assembly is who passes laws, right? That's something we don't have, but that's how the Soviet democracy works. That's how democracy works in China. That's how, um, and this is the very important part about all of that. at any time you can legally recall your elected delegate from your council. So say, Mm -hmm. you know, we, you don't like who your city council is um, is voting up right to the state. Who's representing your state. You're like, I don't like that, but your, your council at your, or your delegate from your council keeps voting for them. You can argue why they need to not. And you could have a recall and say, all right, we need somebody else to come in. They say, yeah, you make good points about why they, we don't need to do that. You make good points about other things let's run them. Who wants to have them? Okay. And you can do that at any time. There is no, there is no waiting two to four years. That's how it is in those, in Mm -hmm. in those countries. It's a new form of democracy, but, and like that, how do you lobby that out? How would you, even if there was somebody there with a bunch of money, with a bunch of court, like how would you be able to lobby out all of those different councils on local levels that have that all the way to the top, you know, have all the way to the (laughs) national assembly that can elect representation all the way there, how do you lobby all that? You you, can't, you couldn't possibly do it. Um, and- I, I tell you that
0: it sounds very opposite. That sounds very anti incrementalist, and and which is great. I mean, they because that's exactly the opposite of what they do here. They prolong things as much as they need to, unless yeah. it's within their interest. And then, like I was telling Tyler, they just accelerate the shit out of it when they want to, when they feel needed. And then they just slow it down absolutely to the lowest denominator whenever they feel fit too but that seems like that would cut out a lot of that that bureaucratic mess that happens in Washington
1: yeah. that
2: seems like a very like viable solution to that and, yeah and, and it, it's it's what um it's and you know and the way it starts is organizing now where where people can like even if if somebody's not entirely of the same ideology of you if you can or if they have a same interest in their community like they want more development say you know if you're out in the rural areas where maybe somebody's like not the most politically conscious but everyone's on a, on a well out there knowing that like there's all this money going to the police stations in the city it's like that the people in the city don't want that you know you could go see a american city council across the whole country and the city council they'll just tear into the city council one after another over zoom and the city council would just be like all right well we'll pass it anyway it passed like a thirty billion or thirty million dollar police station in a you know or in a town that's like eighty thousand people, you know <laughs> the, every the people in the city don't want that. But even if you live out in the country and you're like yeah, and you demand you know you get people to organize and start demanding for this system for these corporations to clean their own mess up, you know, and start demanding you know by their government, you know, grabbing their state and making you know demanding of them to do it, you know that's what we call practicing their dictatorship. You know these even if you live in a poor rural community. They don't have any political consciousness, political power. If they gain experience by organizing and seeing, like, yeah, let's let's explain why we need to have uh, water, you know, out to our community and be, not just beyond this well, right? Let's explain why. You know, let's say you have something like there's tons of different things to organize the community for, but those are the building blocks of what centralized democracy is. Is when because at this point we're so used to having the 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 owner the, the what i call the deadweight ownership be the boldness of us be the political boldness we're so used to that or like working class people especially are very used to that that you know they're, they're timid they're like well I, I don't know if i should do and that's kind of the thing is they don't have confidence because they don't have consciousness of of their real political power but by getting them organized it sets the blocks even if there's not something to unite like what i was talking about a full centralized democratic system the national assembly If anything, if any, but, you know, having people prepared by organizing them, you know, it's, it's, if it's a lot easier to assemble that way, you know, it becomes a lot easier to assemble and explaining this alternative, you know, everybody's tired of corporate democracy. You know, hardly some like 20% of people approved of the last Congress and last year, but yet Biden apparently had the best turnout of, of any president at the midterms. So it's not like everyone was like, "Oh, we want a Republican," you know. Like everybody was really like tired of this Congress, but every nobody really wanted a Republican either, you know. It wasn't like they all showed up to vote for Republicans. It's uh, it's that everybody doesn't believe in this corporate democracy anymore, and that there has to be a people's democracy for the people and by the people, and uh, that that has power all the way to the national assembly. I think like uh, explaining this alternative to people is kind of the next step, you know, explaining the alternative of. Uh, so it's not so aimless in their work. They don't see it. It's pointless to organize, you know, that they won't have anything, any power there, you know, letting them know that they do have a power, you know, it's, uh, you know, not be misanthropic and have faith in the people, you know, to actually have it, you know, they're not just, uh, not 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 let it and not, it, and not just be phrases, you know, it'd be actual, a result, a result, and it'd be shown in action. You know, somebody who could do that will inevitably Uh, be who there is to lead the people you know
0: where does mutual aid come into play with this um, centralized democracy and Jay if you want to also speak onto this because you've mentioned mutual aid um, several times just from this interview and the previous one Um, where does that come into play when we try to um, would this be a transition or is this something that would Be able to coexist within what we already have to work with this centralized democracy.
1: So I think uh, dual power—you know, both the power of what we can do in terms of sharing um, with each other, uh, in terms of what we already like, what we can do in terms of alleviating, uh, you know, or giving people more free time by, you know, uh, doing things together, you know, whatever we can do, um, buying things and saving people gas money and 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 cost for buying in bulk, whatever uh, small things we can do—that do that. that, that, that Those two things, right? That that. Shows um, a, a solidarity of class solidarity of um, no This is not charity. We're working together. You know, we all are valuable. You know, mm. um, and and then and then secondarily, you know, the, the dual power nature of the the. Yes, it's a temporary uh, temporary thing because eventually you'd be able to exponentiate those things through the means of production by developing those things that were directly for and by the worker as opposed to formed by the capitalist class and for the profit of them you know so eventually you wouldn't necessarily need a mutual aid program because you have free food you know what i mean like it Uh would. i mean you know or you wouldn't Mm -hmm. necessarily need a a um a a placed account share uh sort of like process in your neighborhood because it's just a free housing you know what i mean like but so 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 that was kind of that's like what transitioned me from anarchist honestly to communist was the idea that we can just exponentiate all these things if we had the power that they do, you know. But and unless we have the power that they do, we won't be able to. Anything we do do will be crushed. Anything that we do uh, uh, accomplish could be crushed. Not necessarily will be, but if it ever if it ever approaches anything that could like radically change anything, it will be. You know, mm. is that the reason why mutual aid seems
0: very ineffective at times now? Is is that just a mismanagement of the aid itself or is it just because infra infrastructurally speaking it's it's just almost like you're burning money to like keep money flowing but it's like it's it's not going to what it's intended to go to
1: it depends on the situation right Uh, i mean i think that i think that like it you know i think that first of all we have way less resources the capitalist class does you know we have realized resources than churches do we have less resources than uh than nonprofits. So, um, it you know I think that, and then and then, I think that you know needs is continuous. You know what I mean. Um, uh, contributions aren't. You know, and so like even if you, let's say, met the needs of like, immediate needs of like fifty people. You know what I mean. That that and your money's gone. It's like next week those fifty people are still gonna be needing. You know what I mean. It's not. You know what I'm saying. So even if you do manage it exactly like properly, you know what I mean. It's not. It, it's yeah. not gonna go as far as it could. You know, especially. You know, so because because we, we're not we don't have that kind of money. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's really a stopgap measure. You know, it's just a, and and, and it's it's a cost right? it's a cost risk analysis in a certain way. Like, do we put a lot of our time, effort, and resources into? It's it's like triage, right? It's like a, to a certain extent. You know, to a certain there's there's, there's a mass triage event. Uh, if there's a doctor with a broken arm, you want to set that person's arm so they can go and help you with other uh, other people who are. If somebody's if somebody's uh, has a gunshot wound is probably fatal it would seem like you'd want to focus on them first but you know in, in, in those kind of situations it's like uh it's like do do we spend you know 2 hours fixing this person when we and when like five or six other people who could have been actually saved you know lived like been taken evacuated or whatever it's it's a hard call these are like you know kind of things but um i think that that you know setting up those networks develops community contact and so it's almost like a protest, right? Like the protest is a great place to network. You know what I mean? Even if it's not necessarily for a thing that you care about, whatever uh, so much. Like if it's something that's like, let's say that you feel is like, um, like uh, uh, for a local candidate that you don't necessarily, or like a uh, uh, you know at least going there at the very least, you know, to a demonstration or whatever it might be. Um, You get to network with people and talk to them. You know, anywhere the people are, you want to go. You know, to a certain extent, and kind of and kind of be there. And so I think that and developing those developing places for people to be is going to be the thing that develops the local cadre. You know, and local assembly. I tell you, some of the stuff that y'all are talking about, and
0: Jacob, I definitely want to get your view um, or response to what Jay just mentioned. There are some people. And I don't normally do this. Like I, I actually don't. If you look at any of the, the episodes before, I'm not um I'm never going to go into this realm of clout chasing like other um YouTubers, podcasters. Like I see this stuff happening way too much to where it's like that one side is trying to cannibalize the other side and trying to one up the other side. And but I will mention that There's some channels that are kind of concerning me a little bit that I used to follow, that are almost appropriating the language that we're talking about here. I haven't heard it mutual aid used as a stopgap measure a lot. Like you go to some of these YouTube channels, they almost it's like they almost want to keep talking about mutual aid, just building off of it like it's some sort of a perpetual situation and. I've always questioned, like, how is that even possible for the flow to just keep coming in from just, like, everyday citizens anyway? I mean, and they're operating under this very neoliberal mindset anyway. And so I'm like, is this a serious approach, you know? Um, Like, I, I get trying to, like, raise some funds, like, here and there, but it almost seems like there's just so much emphasis on it and it's concerning in a way. And to me, that almost leads to some sort of a... Um, like, where's the money actually going? Like, it almost makes me question, where's the money going? If mm-hmm. that's so much of the dialogue that's going on, because like you said, a stop got measured, th- that makes sense. It seems like that's what it's meant to do. Like, it's not supposed to be like a situation that's ongoing all the time. And yeah. so I'm glad that you said that because um, um, that just sort of confirms my suspicions that I had before of some of these um, outlets that I'm not going to mention. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for clarifying that for me. Yeah, of course. Jacob, I had a question about um, what's this um, media outlet that you're thinking about, like, creating, you're starting to create? Because we discussed a few ideas before we got on camera. And, and Jay, I also want to hear about um, you getting kicked out of the radio show. Like, I mean, I know that this, this is almost like, mainstream type shit i mean but i mean the audience do need they do need to kind of get you know into the know of of what happened with that and it's not like in a tabloid sort of way because no one wants that kind of stuff to happen obviously but it does have a deep meaning as far as like why you got kicked off the radio show but jacob you first like what is your
2: media um aspiration about Oh well, I mean, we're we're looking to. So as of now, I, I have a, U, a YouTube channel that I do called Marxist Saw. Um, Marxist Saw, okay. Yeah, it's got I think over three hundred fifty writings that are, uh, you know, Marx's historical stuff, right? Um, you know, the, uh, historical theory for people that want to actually learn what it's about. What what did they actually say? What what are they saying? Like you know, you you know, you don't have to go. People don't have to come in and and see it as like you know they're not it's not manipulative stuff right they can come in and just think critically you know and hear what they're saying and you know that's on the that that will actually explain what 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 happened in throughout history you, you'll there'll be a whole new understanding of history that actually is there that we're just suppressed from that's the channel i i do it's called Saw. it's like uh arkansas but Saw m-a-r-x-i-s-t-s-a-w but also for anybody who wants to be on the lookout, we don't have a the channel set up yet. But we're 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 gonna work on another uh, media project called uh, Alienated Press. It's um and we we'll, we have different um you know there's gonna be different stuff coming from there. But there'll be conversations like what we're having now. Um, there's gonna be a lot of um will it'll be involving more people than my my channel I have, which is just me reading you know and um. And you know, sometimes it, uh, it, uh, I talk to some people now and then on there, but not really. Um, but this 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 new one's called Alienated Press. Um, it, you know, if somebody wants to follow me at Marxist, I'll let people know when it comes out um, and when we have the, you know, the the channels up and stuff.
0: Do you actually? The... So your your Marxist show, saw channel is actually up and running right now.
2: Yes. Yes. It is. And uh,
0: and when did in. you start that?
2: I think I started it in, at the end of either 2021 or, or at the beginning of 2021 or 2020, I might've around then, uh, I think it was beginning of 2021, I began Marxist And it's, uh, because I just started reading and so I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and, you know, record it anyway. So other people can know what it is because I thought if nothing else, like, you know, the amount of people, the, our government has killed over, Mm. over for being communists, you know? the mm-hmm. amount of bombs that they've dropped you know they made laos the most bomb country in human history you know to this day you can't go walk in a field in laos without because there's the danger of a bomb you know it it's all, all because there's communism this this thing called communism this this word you know like the thing that we're supposed to be real terrified is there but what is it what is communism you know um you know they murdered a fifth of korea that's what made, like, you know, during in the Korean, just stop communism, right? Murder to fit the Korean Peninsula. These are the things that, you know, you're like, well, what, what exactly is this? Why, why is, why can't we, can we just hear what they're saying? Can we just hear, is that cool? You know, don't we need to know what all of our grandparents got drafted for? And we have to carry all this generational trauma after that. Wouldn't it be nice to know what exactly communism was, why they had to go all the way over to, and then you realize, wait, this is, there's some extreme dishonesty here about what this is mm-hmm. you know even if everybody agrees with something or not it's not this hostility it's not it's going to be stuff that we could see here in our life that we could see go around now you know um and that's that's ultimately what i do on marxist on it's um uh, it's a different approach to what people will have of, of marxism you know and it, but uh you know it, it, like you, know, you say you're a libertarian uh left libertarian i I was you know i was graduated high school i was i uh, was all about ron paul (laughs) and i was was a i I was a libertarian you know um and it's because he you know he was like against the war on drugs he was against uh um you know the the endless the drone strikes and i'm like well that's obviously correct you know like um but there's there's a lot more similarity and, you know, I think that's an important thing to understand is, uh, you know, w- what actually is similar between even our society we have now and socialist society, you know. Um, that's a lot of the stuff you can find on my channel, but the new channel will also be through. I could let everybody know through my channel once we put, put out our new channel. Yeah, no doubt.
0: I'll definitely supply the links and everything. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I was telling Jay, like the previous episode, I don't, um, I don't like to box myself too much. You know, that's just the simplest way to sort of explain things to people. Um, Libertarian in the sense that, you know, I I obviously believe in personal body autonomy and stuff like that, but not necessarily from like a market standpoint. Um, Just like, there's a lot of stuff. It's like, you almost have to like, not interview me, but just like, like if there's an issue, I would tell you my position on the issue and it will probably lean more, libertarian and less authoritarian. I just I don't like um the coercion of of any sort of uh, entity, you know when it's not necessary just, just I mean the medical industry for instance, I mean we've had the situation going on the third year into that and a lot of my friends didn't understand where I was coming from when it came to that I'm like well that's that's another one of those issues. I mean you have a medical industry. And then you have a question, an ethical question, you know, should a person be able to decide that for themselves or not? And and I decided that I should be able to decide that for myself, you know, and, you know, without being condemned by it. But then you have all these um, unfair comparisons, you know, to other things, and that makes you something. So I guess that's what I mean by it. I still don't quite understand um, the labels. I'm definitely going to follow your channel and read into the literature that you, you have um, because I, I definitely don't claim to be a person that's really heavy into theory and ideology, um, because my lived experiences have have been a good guidance for me. But but that can only enrich my lived experiences even more, like actually delving into the literature more. I had I had a question for Jay as far as like guillotine press. Is that actually is that still a thing? Because you were a co-founder, right?
1: Yeah, I was the uh, uh me and Jared Cochran co-founded that about uh. Four or five years ago, we put out about fifty-five pieces, um, including media and stuff like that. Um, at first, uh, we were making, we we uh, had about thirty people on there. But um, then I told everybody to stop because I was because of COVID, I was going to stop putting out stuff for a little while. And so right now, we only have like two people. But um, uh, Jacob ha- uh, has released stuff on there as well, um, and uh, we've uh, it is it is still a thing, sort of. But right now, I think. We may even use that page to like just transition straight over to Alienated Press or whatever. We may create a new one or something like that. Um, but I want to keep it open because it has my book, Voices of Fire or Voices for Fire, on there in a form where you don't have to go through Amazon and you can pay what you want. Plus, you get fifty-five other things, you know, that are that are art.
0: Oh gosh, music. I wish I would have known that. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I'll, I'll redirect people. You have to send me the site and everything so I can. Um send me the link to that and then i can the same for you jacob and then i can link everything into the podcast descriptions for people to see so so tell us briefly what happened this alan jones guy kicked you and your other comrades off of the radio show what was that about because it seemed like everything was going just fine like we did the interview back in july i think and you're like this trump affiliated person this fucker let me have you know, like rent a building or whatever, and we played some gigs or whatever. We basically like had to suck it up and listen to some shit that we didn't want to listen to, and then we got the, you know, the space to promote that stuff. And
1: all of a sudden, he just came in and said, "Like the hell with this stuff." So, um, I think so. It, there was already a radio station. It's a nonprofit radio station. It's called Um, Um, and uh, it's local here, but you can find it online and stuff. Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't really recommend it. Um, the uh, there's uh, there's basically uh, most of the time they play, you know, um, uh, southern gospel and like older <laughs> stuff, and so like Appalachian music. You know, some of it being very good. You know, though actually, and so like so. Uh, but then they have like one radio DJ. They have like that's on more than one day a week. Everybody else is like, um, like a one w- once a week show. There's like a really patri- uber patriotic show where this guy comes mm-hmm. in. It's American flag background. He's wearing all American flag clothes, and oh, he's been doing god. that show for like 15 years. There's another dude who's in there, and he just you know he'll make really racist Asian accents and stuff, uh, and like uh, reportedly called his his uh, co-host the N word at one oh, point. Oh my god! If, wow. it, it, at any given time, whenever they're not having people on air, it's just Trump flag, you know. Um, It has like it's it's so so like they already have political content right they already have that and so my point like when I first came in there I was like there I basically just I was doing a show with Sound Bandits and the guy who hosted it happened to be there and I just uh, took took uh, you know um, took my shot and just asked you know hey uh, I heard y'all are having more than DJs or needing more DJs we'd be happy to do it. And he's like, what did you want to talk about? And I'm like, we'll play indie music and talk about civics. And that's all I said. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I, <laughs> I knew it was inevitable that, uh, that this was that, that this was going to come to an end, that this is a temporary process. Oh, so you knew that for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so um, but like, um, you know, we were volunteer. But we could get sponsorship from people. You know, we were allowed to go out and get sponsorship. We were supposed to give like twenty percent to them or whatever. But I never. It's Alan Jones. He's like he's like the richest person in Cleveland. I was like not worried about that. So like uh, so like we had like some people. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Devin Cervantes uh, from um, Mutual Aid Disaster Relief uh, helped us out, um, and uh, and uh, we you know promoted his stuff and read some of his writings from his Patreon and things, and uh, so. But eventually, um, you know. Uh, We were asked to stop talking about political stuff like at one point, like about when did that happen? Maybe three weeks before we got kicked off. Um, and uh, but we were Mm -hmm. late night then, and we and we figured like nobody'd be really we were doing late night shows then, and so I was just talking about strikes whenever this happened. We maybe had a two week absence because I just hadn't been uh feeling well, and then we came back in and we just had like it was like we came in at like midnight and. Brought in, like, and you know, we're just talking about railroads, uh, the strikes. Now, I was talking about how, like, uh, you know, uh, Biden should be a union buster and all that. And, like, and uh, you would think that they would
0: suck that shit up, though. Like, you would, t- you were talking about Papa Joe, yeah, exactly. I think exactly. That they would love that, right?
1: Yeah, I even so, Let's Go Brandon, and uh, <laughs> like. <laughs> like oh, <this. laughs> so they, they
2: love, uh they love, they love they love biden when he does when he works in their class centers you know yes yeah, um, so like if she switches missed... around. We're, we're supposed to divide over trump and biden you know not them that's,
0: yeah. that's <laughs> ridiculous I, yeah. I i'm just when you put that on facebook i was like uh, they they closed jay's like showdown because of that like really like because i know you've been saying political stuff on that before that like there had to be like, they just seemed very abrupt. But
1: that yeah. just. I think Alan Jones started realizing what we were saying and stuff. And, uh, you know, we never talked about him directly until the very end. You know, once they came in, so somebody came in and was like, hey, Alan's saying you got to go now. And, like, uh, and uh, so I went back in there while my other friend talked to him. And I, like, talked about how you need to go on, like, followthemoney.com. And uh, look up Alan Jones and see where his money's coming from. He he promotes a lot of conservative radio, but he won't let you talk about Marxism. He'll let another DJ say the N word and make Asian like uh, accents and talk about whatever politics he wants to, but you can't talk about Marxism. You know, mm-hmm. racism is okay. Marxism isn't. Uh, you need, and I was like, everybody think about what you've heard in these last five months, and if and does it appeal, or does it does it? Um, do you think this is more? in your interest or whatever they're feeding you on the major media, you know, channels and uh and like Did they get air? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. and then I cut the radios off. I cut all the radios off and unplugged the equipment and then left. Oh my God. That is yeah. some crazy shit. Well so okay, now here's the thing. I would have stayed in there and got arrested. I was down to I was down to like lock it lock myself in and shit. Um it's just that I had my friends with me and one of my friends was trans and I didn't want to put them in any sort of danger. And, uh, but that was the plan, or it was like that when they came in to do that, I was going to be like, no, you'll have to arrest me and, like, and, like, get them to arrest me. And, uh, and, like, just not, not like violently or anything, just be, you know, just, just <laughs> whatever. That way I would have to make the news, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah.
2: You know, man, the guy, the guy, Alan Jones, he's, he's, uh, he's the one that did what do you call it? Check, pass a check. It's Take very. Yeah, very dishonest stuff he does. He's a very, uh, you know, he's one of Trump's good friends that you know lives like owns that station and has all that go on there. Yeah, not a not a good person. Um, I commend you. I commend you though
0: for for. I can't believe you got in, <laughs> and it actually <laughs> you know lasted the way it did. I mean, that that um, but I like it. You know, hey. That was a that was an end game. Um, you kind of saw the fate coming, but I'm still like I can't believe it was over the railroad strikes. I really can't. Like, is that what finally did it?
1: I mean, that was the thing we were talking about when the thing happened. You know what I mean? So that's the mm-hmm. you know it's it's like it's uh it, it seemed like we had talked about a lot of other things. We even had played like full videos that were like second thought about Ukraine, about all kinds of stuff we had played. You know, um, all sorts of different. Marxist videos, you know, they explicitly said socialism in them. We played songs like we, we, our theme song was "The Communists Have the Music" by They Might Be Giants. We played that like every single show, you know. And then we also did like jokes and stuff. Whenever we would do the weather, he would just like, like, give this like very vague, uh, just you know, uh, just, it's like it's dark outside or whatever, you know. And like, uh, or and we did traffic, and he would like, we don't have a helicopter. We spill our money uh, promoting our uh, our band via sheet music. And I was like, I think that was a waste of money. Like we, 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 flew a plane over that had our sheet music on it. Um, didn't <laughs> we didn't think it worked right? well. It was probably a waste of money, but, um, so <laughs> like that, you know, we were joking a lot of the time, you know, trying to make it funny, trying to make it, you know, play good music, you know, that we thought that was like, you know, cutting edge and interesting. We also played like old school stuff that was like, you know, Appalachian based and was like worker rights stuff, you know, um, from Woody Guthrie to Johnny Paycheck. And like, you know, um, that dude who does, uh tennessee ernie ford etc you know dolly parton you know so we played stuff that we tried to like you know definitely cultivate for various different audiences and i think it was mm-hmm. a cool show like it was funny it was it was informative it had communism it was edgy like it had a lot of different stuff you know um uh and in so funny you know it's it my co-host so like it, i think that it was a good show i think that i'd love to be able to do that same thing we're playing music doing all that kind of stuff um that that just speaking of the media organ, you know, uh, some of the the ideas that we're running is that maybe you're doing a daily news show on TikTok, doing a and then a weekly YouTube show, um, that would be a discussion yeah. of those things. I was just going to uh, ask that.
0: Like, it seems like that could develop into something else. Um, seems like you had an audience and everything. How did how did people who you perceived as like not really been on board with the message? Did you get any feedback from those people?
1: Um. So. Uh, We, you know, it's hard to tell. You know what I mean? Because it's a it's a radio station that has like a a, uh it has it's a highly populated area, but it's not a very wide range because LPFM, and it's online. So we had you know we had people who were you know obviously on my Facebook were already probably positive towards the message, right? Whereas the people that were hearing it, they didn't really have a way of contacting me per se, and Mm -hmm. Mm. i was only hearing through the station management or other di- disc jockeys you know like um you know what what might be said and of course it's going to be from a conservative bent so it's really hard to say uh oh what I see. The, you know what i mean um which if you know if i if we would have if we already had this media organ available that you know we could have you know used that to uh promote this was happening you know what i mean we could have we could have talked about that we could have um uh, we could have maybe had people, you know, find out that, you know, we could have had people comment. And there's a lot of ways we could have done this that I feel like maybe um, could have, uh, could have, we could have been able to figure out that information. But I don't know. Uh, we just, you know, we're just kind of going with it and seeing it. I mean, Yeah, I didn't think it was going to last that long either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jacob, is there any uh, last words
0: you want to give to my audience? Um, any plugins or? Uh, any
2: final words? First of all, thank you for having me on. It's a great show. Um, and it's, it's awesome that you have different uh, people come on and, and say what they, you know, and it's, it's not, uh, you don't have to worry about the saying the wrong thing on here, you know, that's definitely needed. And, you know, like Jay, we were just talking about now the, the amount of censorship, you know, it's a, uh, it's a you know, a lot of people might have want to listen to that show, but they didn't, they don't own Check the Cash or whatever it is. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I, I appreciate, I appreciate, um, I appreciate you, um, having us on. Uh, if I can give a quote, it's probably my favorite quote from V.I. Lennon. It's about the state. He says, um, he says, never believe in the superstition of the state and always remember that in a democratic republic and not just in a monarch, the state. It's just the machine for the suppression of one class by another. And that's the, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, talking about even when the American Revolution happened, that was a, they had to create a new machine that could suppress the nobility, right? The monarch, the British monarch. But now there is a new, um, you know, now there's somebody, there's a new class they have to suppress. The monarch's done, they're trying, you know, and when they form, uh, that could also seize a democratic republic in the same way the state would be a suppression of um, the original, uh, you know, the the uh, the previous class before, just like the capitalists did to the feudal nobility, right? But that's that's the that's the that's the probably one of my favorite quotes is uh, never believe in the superstition of the state and remember that in, in a in a democratic republic and not just in a monarch. The state is the suppression. It's just the machine for the suppression of one class by another.
0: And Jacob, if, if an audience member wanted to reach you in the most direct way, what would be a way that you would get um through?
2: I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Um, okay. If they want to message me there. I don't know. I don't think YouTube has messaging. I'm not sure if it has messaging on YouTube. They
0: do. I think there's some sort of a trick. Um, You have to go to the about page and... I think if you click there, there's like an automatic email address that appears where it says view email addresses and you click it and then it gives the email address that's provided.
2: Okay. Yeah. Mark's is on Twitter and Facebook. So those two would be great. If anybody wants to message me, I'd, I'd love to love to talk to him. Thank, yeah, thank you for having me on.
0: No problem. Um, I want both of you back. Um, Jay, the same for you. Do you have any final words and, I definitely want both of you back on the show um later on in the season as well if you all are more than gracious to do that
1: <laughs> I' love to uh thank you so much for having us um i you know I don't really have any uh, anything uh profound or a quote anything to say at the at the moment uh solidarity to everybody thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for having us it's been an honor it's been a pleasure it's been excellent
0: no problem i I've, i I enjoy this a lot um it was is a very um I won't say it was a hard decision. I've decided to continue with academia, but I've always um like I tell my wife all the time, it's gonna be on my terms. Like I don't give a damn. Like they can cancel me over a podcast or whatever. I'm gonna to continue to do this where wherever I get hired as a job. Because right now I'm in between. Like I'm just at home right now. I'm a stay-at-home parent. But I'm um gonna go on the job market and I continue, I want to continue doing this as well. You know, I'm trying to incorporate different kinds of people, like people in academic class, because I feel like these worlds never come together. Um, It's the activism that they talk about. is like, is is very much separate. Like the stuff that people are seeing on the ground is separated from what they're seeing. And it's, I think that's almost intentional. Like a lot of, it's like the professors that I know that have YouTube channels and stuff it's just them talking to each other basically. They don't ever have like people on the ground that are like countering what they're saying to even you know question what they're doing, you know, in their comfy spaces in the offices and everything else. And so it's very corporatized that the, the education system is not higher education. And um, that, that was very frustrating to me. And I knew that a lot of my views didn't align with a lot of my coworkers anyway. And so I was just like, you know what? this is a way to sort of connect to people outside of that world. And I will, I don't want to disconnect completely from them because I believe some of those people are good people and maybe they will learn from, from people that are on the ground too. So I appreciate all the views, all my guests and I don't know who we have next on the agenda because there's so many people I'm booked up through April. So um, everyone continue to tune in to Kiko's Free Thingers forum. We're available on all major podcasting platforms i did reopen the youtube channel a couple of months ago even though they closed one of my videos down that didn't discourage me i reopened the, the channel so you all can subscribe there as well and i'm on spotify and all these other platforms have a great evening beautiful people thanks again to jay and jacob have a great evening take care you. cheers